In less than an hour, aircraft from here will join others from around the world. And you will be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind. Mankind, that word should have new meaning for all of us today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interest. Perhaps it's fate that today is the 4th of July. And you will once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution. But from annihilation. Thank you for joining us this evening. I just flew in from Atlanta. Boy, are my arms tired. It is uh, 7 minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of August, in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, The Talker. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into whimsy. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it is 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. If you want to be part of today's uh, program, and why wouldn't you, my chums, my companions, my amigos, my compadres, my fellow travelers? Why wouldn't you? It's uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. With your comments, questions, clarifications, kvetches, two cents, observations, ruminations. Musings of an indeterminate uh, nature. Whatever it is you might have today. I think it's my computer that just made that noise. It's 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, or the somewhere in between. Why, hello, and howdy. Uh, it is Friday, and welcome to Day 12. It is Friday, 888. Uh, it is Friday, August 8, 888. Oh, wait, my friends, and uh, thank you for being there. If you'd like to email us, you can do that as well. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970.am. All right. The day for which you have waited, the moment for which you have prayed, the other thing for which you have done a thing for, that day is today. Uh, it is Friday. 888, the day of the Emerson Address, happening later on in today's program, 2 o'clock to be exact. Uh, so uh, we will be counting down to that as we move forward, asking where you're going to be on this glorious day. Where will you be in the great city of Portland, Oregon? Where will you be in these United States of America? Where will you be located? 
in this world of ours. It is 503-733-2970. Lots to get through today. CNN radio correspondent. They put Ira Melman on the prep sheet just to screw with us today. Just to taunt us. Just to be dangled in front of us like some sort of a journalistic carrot snatched away at the last moment. Uh, so no Ira Melman probably. More's the pity. Uh, we will talk to CNN radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum today. CNN radio correspondent James Roop joining us today from uh, Los Angeles. Uh, we will have uh, Aaron Duran from geekinthecity.com joining us in the studio later on today as well. He's got an, uh, an exciting update about the uh, the renamed 42nd Drive. He'll be in the studio with us later. Uh, Tim Riley, of course, with the Ministry of Truth. Uh, it's the worst song you've ever heard. We never did High Concept Thursday yesterday, so High Concept Thursday may in fact become High Concept Friday. Dorothy Carcassari for the National Enquirer will join us today. Uh, we will continue to uh, go through the Rick Emerson Show sound clip inventory, see what stays, what goes, what's odd, what's perverse, what's amusing, what's just boring. Uh, we will do all of those things today. Um, it just, uh, it just it, the whole, a whole stack, a whole stack uh, of business to be gotten to. Uh, we have other, uh, other things over here, the sort of fabled pile to my right that's never really gotten to. Uh, we have the glorious bastard of the week, and it'll be unveiled later on today. Uh, I do believe we have a religious nutcase watch coming up today, quite possibly clergy watch, uh, on the way as well. So that's, uh, it's all on the way, my friends. Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification on this Friday. It's a Clayby. Clay Aiken is reportedly a dad now. I just made that word up. I won't even steal it. You should trademark that. Was that. It's a Clayby. You should trademark it like Michael Buffer in the Let's Get Ready to Rumble thing. I will. A Bremerton cracks down on scantily attired baristas. Seats for Obama's Denver speech have been snapped up already. Cheney and Bush will both speak on the first night of the Republican convention. Bill Clinton will speak at the Democrats. And behind the scenes, Democrats are demanding... Talk about that love child, John Edwards. Love child. The airline pilots are complaining that they're forced to fly with uncomfortably low levels of fuel. That makes us all feel better. That's fantastic. Oh, God. And whites have lost control of America, claims the next KKK leader. Well, okay. But the top story is the Clay B. Of course. How could it not be? All right. Did I already point out that Clay Aiken looks a lot like that Stephen Kajaguru guy? They have the weird... It's like they all come out of some... You know what it is? Here's the thing with... I got three things right now, because uh, everything works in threes. I got Clay Aiken, you got that Steven Kajagugu guy on VH1, and then you've got the guy that one of you was talking about yesterday, the guy that used to be Asian and now isn't Asian anymore. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the creepy puppet guy. Yeah, what is he on? He's on the haircutting show? It, uh, sheer Genius. Sheer Genius. So, you remember that thing back in the 80s when they were marketing Cabbage Patch dolls? And the big, the, the, the sort of hook, the shtick behind the Cabbage Patch doll was that they were all unique. That no two Cabbage Patch dolls were quite alike, which is, of course, I, I mean, I guess technically true in some vague sort of way. But they all did, I mean, they all had the, the, the defining characteristics and traits. I mean, it was, you know, only within certain parameters did they ever really deviate. That's what those three guys are like, because they all look like the same guy, sort of made from slightly different. It is as though... You took one weird, creepy, androgynous person of sort of vague cultural ancestry and sort of put him in the middle of an art class and had three different people create replicas. And one is that guy, one is the Stephen Kajagugu guy, and the, the other one is, is Clay Aiken. So. And don't forget, for the ladies, there's Kay Jackson who can barely open up her mouth all the way. <laughs> please, please open up your sushi box. 
I'm sorry? She can't say scissor box. <laughs> Please open up your scissor box. Fantastic. Let me... Uh, I had a big discussion with somebody uh, last night. Was Kate Jackson the other woman on Kate and Alley? I don't remember. I never watched that show. You never watched Kate and Alley? No, I'm not very good at it. Well, I used to work nights at that time. How and that American was are you? Recording devices. You didn't have a VCR? I probably didn't have a TV. <laughs> Just sleeping on a grate somewhere, saving newspaper clippings to your... I'd love to invite you to my home, but there's nothing to sit on. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's kind of an apple crate motif. I've been assembling it for, uh, for many much. years now. All right. Uh, it is 503-733-2970. We're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Hello. How are you doing today? Oh, just dandy. You look nice. You look like peaches and cream today. Oh, thanks. I went to the Timbers game last night. They lost. But I was so good because they, they made this beautiful goal, um, but they had been flagged with a yellow card right before, so of course it didn't count. But I jumped up because I was so excited, and I slammed the backs of both of my knees into uh, into the bench. Excellent. And I have two purple lines on either side of my leg. Oh, not excellent. Well, yeah, it kind of hurts. Yeah. Uh, kind of hurts. Well, all right. Then. But other than that, how was your evening? Oh, it was fun. I hung out with a bunch of friends and, yeah, and uh, let everybody know about your big address Woo! today at 2 o'clock. All right. And I'm busy finding that thing that you asked me to find. Thank you so much. Yeah, I was, I did the, we were sort of scrambling. I mean, I was so I got together with uh, with Joni and Todd, as I always do. Uh, yeah, last night, sort of finalizing thing, putting the finishing touches, uh, sort of creating the, 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 the tiny, the almost infinitesimal flourishes. Uh, on the Emerson Address, which is coming up later on today, uh, three hours, yes? No, two hours. Three hours. I don't know how to tell time. Two hours and 45 minutes. I'm an infant. Two hours and 45 minutes from now. In less than two hours and 46 minutes, the Emerson Address will take place. We were working out last night really until until very late. And um, so we were there till probably, Jesus, I don't know, like... 12.30, 1 o'clock or something. And, of course, then I go home, and I got other stuff to do at home, and I got to take care of the dog and the whatever. And then Lara has been working graveyard the last two nights, so she's been working from 7 o'clock at night till 7.30 in the morning. And so the deal is I would take her to work in the evening, and then I go about my business and you know, do my whatever, and then I would get up the next morning, and I go to pick her up uh, you know, at work at 7.30. That's a good plan in theory. It didn't really work in actuality uh, this morning. What actually happened this morning is that I was just awoken at about 8.15 by the sound of the dog barking his head off because Lara had gotten off work at 7.30, gone out front where I was supposed to be to pick her up today. Of course, I wasn't there. Where was I? At home. So she calls my phone, I don't know, no more than 900 times, uh, and then finally just says, well, F this. And so she calls a cab, takes a cab home from work. So that's like $24 I'm never going to get back. Takes a cab home to work. Uh, comes to the front, and of course, then she doesn't have her house keys, uh, it, you know, because she left her keys at home. But why would she need them? I was going to come pick her up this morning. I was just, uh, but I was up late creating magic and genius and so forth. And so, anyway, so I'm sleep, and I have to. It's not like anybody really likes to wake up in the morning. It's not like you long for the sound of the alarm clock. I mean, it's you know, being awoken when you're if you're not naturally waking up, it is by definition a sort of singularly unnatural and unpleasant experience. Especially if you got that one alarm clock everybody has that goes, eh, 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 which seems to have been created in some sort of hellmouth laboratory to just to, to, to drill its way into your brain like some sort of audio tick. Um, but anyway, so so you know, being woken up is not really like 
and I know it's my fault, but being woken up is not like the, the, the greatest ball of uh, the ball of fun in any event. But she knocks, she knocks on the front door, and I don't hear her knocking. But of course, Max hears her knocking, and so the dog immediately assumes we're being burgled, and that thieves have come to loot our residence. And so Max just goes crazy. And I have to tell you, short of a stick of dynamite being set off next to your head, or maybe just having your feet set ablaze, a dog that has been peacefully sleeping and then is woken up by the, oh the my front God. door Muppet of the house. Oh, my God. sounds like a wailing woman sometimes. Jesus. I mean, it's like I... Because Max and Muppet have kind of similar barks. They do. They do. It so, scares the crap out of me. Yeah. I very nearly... Uh, Had a heart attack. Yeah. I was going to say soiled myself, but let's say heart attack for now. So anyway, so that was you know, and then I, and then I do that thing if I go to the front door, like who could it possibly be? Never realizing that I've completely forgotten to pick up my wife at work, uh, where she's you know earning our daily bread. So I go to the front door and I do that like that thing of parting the, which you always do. Well, here's a thing that people do. Here's a relatable thing, and it's not airline food. It's this. When you have uh, what are those like Venetian blinds or whatever those you know those blinds where it's like you can turn them and they slat. Sideways, yeah. and then you can turn them in the horizontal. Do you ever notice this? That when you go to the door or the window or something, because somebody's knocking at the door, and you walk up to the Venetian blinds, what do you do? You always do this. You put your thumb and pointer finger between the blinds, and you go, and you part them just like an inch and a half. And they can always see your eyeball outside. As though they're not going to see you. What is it? What is it you're thinking that they're not going to notice that some fingers just started jabbing their way out of the blinds because and that there's an noisy. eyeball? They go, clank, clank, clank. It's like think. I'm trying to peek out the window without you knowing it. I mean, there's really. I mean, then that never works. No. Never once have you looked at a pair of Venetian blinds and been completely unobserved by the person on the other side. This is like that discussion. I think we. I can't remember if we had this on the air or not. But that discussion about those, you know, whatever it is, those like those those little. Uh, Things they put in your in the door of suburban house, so you the peephole, so you can look out and see if somebody's on your front porch. But of course, the person standing on the front porch always knows if you're home. Why? Because there's that bright speck of light in the middle of the peephole that just goes and goes dark when you stand behind it. They need to create some sort of shade or shutter or some sort of little metal device that goes around that peephole on the inside of your house, so the person standing on your front porch can't tell if you're looking out or not. The only time they don't look out is on sitcoms. You ever notice that in New York, Los Angeles? People just open the door right away without looking. Come on in. Especially the two cities where you would never open your door yeah. without checking. Yeah. They don't do that in Detroit, though. No. I'm afraid the mayor may be standing there with a shotgun. All right. Well, in any event, Jesus, it's 1122. Uh, it is the Rick Emerson radio program. It is Friday. It is 888. Uh, we are now uh, about two and a half hours away. Uh, from the Emerson Address, happening at uh, 2 o'clock uh, today. So here's what we are asking you. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, no matter what it takes, we ask you, we urge you, we request of you, we humbly beseech thee uh, to turn up the radio, turn up the speakers wherever you might find them, uh, turn up the broadcasting device or devices, uh, and turn up the web stream, wherever it is you might be. Uh, we've, uh, I haven't checked the Google Maps since I got in today. Uh, so let's do that right now. In real time, on the air. Uh, you can go to 970.am or uh, rickemerson.com, where I think it still says that 8080 is a day away. So just uh, just ignore that part. Uh, so I'm looking here, and so it's we've got uh, every, we had all the we had uh, the French Polynesia, Hawaii, Cuba, the Congo. Uh, looks like Denmark has been added, Italy, uh, Germany. Uh, of course, all over the the west coast of the United States, uh, got the east coast of the United States, down to California, down through the south. Uh, let's see, at least a couple places in New Zealand, Australia. 
Uh, our good friend Sarah in Puerto Rico, who's some sort of an IT maven in her place of business, she already told us she's going to be hacking into her sort of office intercom system. And somewhere in Puerto Rico, my heart's devotion, uh, there will be a 10-story building in which 432 offices are carrying the Emerson address today at 2 p.m. Uh, so we ask you at 2 p.m., whatever you are doing, take that moment to help spread the word of this very fine radio program to the people. All right, there. Now let's see. What else? Um, yes, what? I need to call CNN. Can all I do right. that now? Yes, absolutely do that now. We're running a little bit behind today. Um, and I got all of this news that we got to get to. I got a little bit of a, a tiny little bit of a heap ledger update uh, to get to. Uh, we have this. We have a truly bizarre uh, guest request. We have the glorious bastard of the week. It's all on the way, ladies and uh, gentlemen. So I'll tell you what, we will take a break here in just one moment. Uh, we'll be back after this with James Roop, Steve Kastenbaum, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth, uh, High Concept Friday, Aaron Duran from geekinthecity.com, and, of course, the Emerson Address at 2 p.m. Stay there. We are back after this. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Everybody, exhale. Dance. Uh, if you'd like to email, you can do that as well. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Uh, still to come inside this hour. For, you know, that the last half, I've been on for 25 minutes already, and I, don't, I have no idea what we've done. If you were to ask me to go back and just recreate the opening of today's show, I have no idea. Uh, it's all just a big blur of inanity and vowels. Uh, so coming up uh, within this hour, we have Steve Kastenbaum from uh, CNN Radio uh, New York. Uh, Jim Roop will be joining us from Los Angeles at noon. Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Later on, the glorious bastard of the week. Uh, Aaron Duran from GeekInTheCity.com. Dorothy Kashaseri from the National Enquirer talking about John Edwards and his love child. And could it possibly be hotter in the studio? It's pretty sweltering. Seriously, it's like we're on top of some sort of subterranean magma flow. It's or cooling off, though. I think, the, I think the temperature is just too high. I hope so, man. I don't understand. And here's the thing. There's, there's no one here for the last, what time did you get in, like 10? Mm-hmm. I'm in the studio. I mean, there's really nobody's even going to be screwing with the temperature. It's like it just has some sort of weird cyberdyne systems intelligence of its own, and it just decides to start randomly picking temperatures throughout the night. All right, uh, so we'll do a few things uh, right here in the next three, four minutes. Uh, then we'll talk to Steve Kastenbaum. We'll do uh, High Concept uh, Friday, uh, perhaps in uh, perhaps in this segment. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, uh, CBS Radio Portland uh, marketing guru, Susan Don't F with me, Reynolds. Hello, how are you? Hey, today? I'm well. How are you? Looking resplendent in your AM 970 uh, T-shirt. Well, you know, there is a palpable excitement. Is there a buzz in the air? There is a buzz in the air, Rick. Fantastic. Of all the things you've talked about that are coming up today, Uh, you've left one giant thing out. We are now uh, two hours, uh, 29 minutes away. Uh, I just caught your shirt. My shirt. I couldn't... No, but do you... The significance of your shirt? Oh, no. Yeah, no, I'm I'm wearing... I mean, do we just... All right. Well, I'm, I'm wearing a shirt that has some... Vague kind of connection to today's event, to the 888 address. And this is, I would like to pretend that the shirt I'm wearing, which I now realize I'm discussing a thing that, A, nobody can see, and, B, you don't even know what it is because I've only referred to it in the most vague kind of way. I will just say that I'm wearing this black T-shirt with something on it, and I'd like to say that I picked this T-shirt out because it was going to be appropriate, because it was going to have some sort of relation to the events that are happening today. But really, 
I just fell asleep, uh, and then I woke up, and I was already half an hour late to work, and so I just went into my closet, and all of the laundry I picked up yesterday at the laundromat is still, like, in those weird, like, those strange, this-is-not-a-toy plastic bags that are all sort of clingy. Right. By the way, if I can just continue the fragmented observations that have been the hallmark of the last 35 minutes of uh, today's uh, program, an exciting program filled with frivolity and fun of all kinds, let me say this. So... I go to this laundromat, and I take all my stuff in, and I thought about this, there's this Asian woman who runs the laundromat, and I go in, and, you know, she does all my laundry, and she's whatever, and she's the right amount of starch, and everything is sort of fine, but there is this sort of weird trend with her where every time I go and I pick up my laundry, she says something that's either, I don't know what the phrase is, backhanded compliment, or it's like, but, you know, it's like a thing that is, I think, supposed to be a compliment, but then it's just sort of like, a, like you're walking out, and you kind of go, wait a minute, and it was sort of like a, between the fifth and sixth ribs kind of a thing. And so I go, and I, I go and I pick up my laundry yesterday, which is immense, by the way. I mean, it was like 85 shirts uh, that I had that pressed in starch. And so I go in and I pick it up, and I say, hey, I'm here to pick up my laundry. She's like, okay. And she comes and she brings it all out to me, and she goes, this is what she says to me. She's handing me all of my many uh, laundry items yesterday. She says, all right, here you go. Here's your laundry. You know, you look good. No one will even recognize you. Which is like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> that I'm going to look good and therefore no one will recognize me. This is the same woman who when I dropped off uh, my laundry about six weeks ago, I'm sort of dropping it all off and I'm leaving it with her. And she goes, oh, yeah, you should iron your shorts more often. You know, your wife not think you look bad then. I'm like, what, what do you mean my wife won't? What does that even mean? <laughs> but it's like you sort of can't get angry at her because she's like adorable. And she's kind of an older lady. And so it's like you just have to kind of go, well, uh, okay, thanks. Anyway. You might not know what she's saying exactly. No, I don't know. Um, anywho, so Susan Reynolds today, 2 o'clock, the big event, the moment, the instant, the time everybody has been waiting for, the great glorious on-turning of the message. And let me say that uh, we, have, we have an army of people who are going to help spread the word. Now, yeah. I don't know if you've checked the Google map lately. Uh, I checked it just a, just a few minutes ago, and I mean, it was really just... Uh... I mean, oh. it was it was it was immense. I mean, the, the number of markers uh, that are spread all over this globe of ours, uh, people who are going to be broadcasting the Emerson address at two o'clock. I mean, it's just I mean, every time now in Canada. Yeah, we're already up in the godless, uh, the godless Canadian territories. Uh, so and I mean, right here, I'm looking at I think this is New Zealand over here. Yeah, I can't really see. But that's like nine different people in New Zealand. So, I mean, I don't even I didn't even know they had power there. So, I mean, it's all, it's just, it's, it's, just, it's just, it's staggering. How did it even happen yet, and it's staggering? Well, and so let me just say, this army of ours that we have here uh, will be, well, let's just say, sort of planting themselves at various locations around our great metro area to, um, to kind of help generate the excitement. Is there going to be, um, how do I put this? At 2 o'clock today, uh, the various factions of CBS Radio Portland, in aid of this very fine program and the broadcast at 2, is there going to be... Are there going to be some things happening at 2 o'clock that will perhaps raise the profile of this event beyond the profile it already has? I would say yes to that. There will be some things as you say all right you have there's Happening. something there's a there's a thing or perhaps things in the works let's just say if you were out maybe driving around uh let's say you were on i don't know i-5 theoretically speaking <laughs> theoretically or i-84 I, you know there's so many highways and byways uh, of our city here let's just say there will be some things. Is it safe to say that at 2 o'clock, in the moments leading up to the Emerson Address, which happens today, uh, two hours, 25 minutes from now, is it safe to say that the, the visibility of this event 
will be raised, perhaps figuratively, if not otherwise. Yes, figuratively right. and literally. All right. I will... Uh, Decorum prohibits discussing it further, probably. It does. I will. All right, Susan Reynolds, I leave it in your capable hands. Well, you know, I'll be out there. Just know I will be out there. All right. Do I sound like I've had a lot of coffee today? I think you're just sort of naturally caffeinated today. There seems to be, like I said, this palpable buzz you know, uh, I, happening. And I and really, I have to say, over the last, I'm not complaining, but over the last two days, I think I've had about five hours of sleep. So there's a, a little bit of a ragged edge, perhaps, to the internal workings of my psyche today. But I know that you're going to rally, and uh, 2 o'clock is going to be spectacular. I don't know. We're going to deliver. I'm a game day player. So yeah, Reynolds rally, up. deliver. Oh. All right, 2 o'clock today, uh, the Emerson Address. Uh, in just a few moments, we'll talk to CNN radio correspondent Steve Castle. I'm James Roop, uh, Tim Riley. And later on, though, we're going to find out exactly where people will be stationing themselves. We're going to find out where people will be staked out, positioned, uh, where they will be sort of gathered uh, to spread this glorious message uh, to the masses. In the meantime, Susan Reynolds, CBS Radio Portland Marketing Guru, thank you. You're very welcome. Right, there you go. Susan Reynolds, ladies and gentlemen. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show... From New York City, the city that never sleeps, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Hey, so yesterday we took listener guesses about what was in that bag. Yes, Today, we did. Can we do listener guesses about what the address is going to be about? Well, I uh, <laughs> I don't know. What if somebody, but see, here's the thing. What if somebody somehow nails it directly on the nose and then it just sort of deflates the entire thing? You're right. I mean, here's what today's, I will say this. Today's address, it is, how do I put it? Is it, uh... Sarah, uh, 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 yes. a rallying cry? It is. It's a, it's a sentimental rallying cry. A call to arms? Perhaps. Something like that? All right. I don't even know how to describe it. It's probably, probably best if I don't even try. You'll just have you to. Guess, Mom, you'll have to be listening. You'll just have to be yeah. listening, my friend. Uh, we're going to be streaming it live, uh, broadcasting it around the world via uh, means both analog and otherwise. That's uh, what? F- five o'clock my time. That is five o'clock your time. Uh, two o'clock. I'll be in the car. You'll be Ugh. in the car. Well, we've all got excuses, my friend. It's really, i got to figure out a way to listen to this now. You know, uh, as somebody once you told me. No, I don't. Mm. Let me just tell you, as somebody once told me, uh, a priest of all people, uh, he said, you know, when you die, you're going to regret the things you didn't do. So I'm just saying, I right. suppose this is between uh, you and the higher power of your choosing, Steve Kastenbaum. I, uh, I'll let you decide, my friend. This All right. is a tough call, this one. All right. Uh, well, there is the other news happening. There are things sort of unfolding everywhere. First of all, I don't mean to be that guy who starts sentences with, what is the deal with? But really, what is the deal with this mayor in Detroit? I, uh, don't you love this? Seriously, do you get the feeling that we ought to just sort of, I mean, the, 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 the Texas and some of the southern states are always sort of nattering on about, well, this keeps up. We're just going to have to secede. I don't know what the I don't know what the opposite of seceding is, where you just sort of kick somebody, you know, like a whole section of the country out. Like a forcible secession, because it really, it, it, it seems like Detroit has, seems like there are some serious challenges going on in that city. And perhaps they're just sort of uh, dragging down, uh, like, the, 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 the sort of, the, the mean sort of life expectancy and, and IQ for everybody else. You know what's really funny? While I was working on this story uh, towards the end of the day yesterday about Detroit's mayor being uh, in jail overnight and knowing I would have to be covering it this morning, and then last night on VH1 on Movies That Rock was uh, 8 Mile, 
the Eminem movie right. about Detroit. Well, I know, and I have some, you know, I have friends who either live or have lived in Detroit, and I know a lot of times people say that it gets a bad rap or that it's not as sort of, you know, it's like another you know, people say the same thing about Baltimore. Where you see, you see uh, uh, homicide, or you see the wire. Lisa Desjardins was always on a bench, and, and so is Bob Costantini, frankly. So like, oh, you know, Rick, Baltimore is not like they show it on television. It's really got a lot more facets to it, and many more layers. Of, but things like this don't really help. I mean. Am I correct in saying that the the mayor of Detroit was actually in office while he was still on probation for something? Am I right about that? He was, he was not on probation. Actually, uh, he was out on bail. So here's the deal. <laughs> the guy was having some sort of relationship with a colleague, and there were all these text messages back and forth and mm. all, all sorts of other alleged uh, official misconduct. And then he said, no, this isn't true. None of this happened. And the court says he committed perjury, uh, official misconduct, and obstruction of justice because they found the the, uh, the text uh, from all of these text messages, right? And so they they call him in jail. They charge him with this, and pending his his court uh, case, he's out on a, a bail bond, and he has to tell the judge if he's traveling anywhere. Well, not too re- not uh, pretty recently, he traveled across the Canadian border and went to Windsor. Supposedly, it was supposed to be on official a business. Mm-hmm. And it was an emergency, but now they're saying it really wasn't an emergency. But he didn't tell the judge he was going, so he violated the terms of his bond. So last night, the mayor had to turn in his suit for a green jumper and spend the night in in the Wayne County Jail. I mean, there are times, see, stories like that, it's like... I mean, that it's like when Detroit almost becomes a parody of itself. You know what I mean? It gets better, though. It gets so much better. This morning, he he comes back into court... Uh, and they find that he did indeed violate the terms of his bond. He has a new bond now for $50,000, uh, which is a lot more than what he was out on before. And the judge says he now has to work uh, wear a GPS tracking device. So it's like, it, so he's a mayor that's going to come with a low jack. Yes. That's great. He, he has, and he cannot stray from the Detroit Tri-County region while this matter is pending. But wait, there's more. <laughs> it gets even better. As soon as the hearing was over, Michigan's attorney general held his own news conference to announce that he had filed criminal charges against the mayor for assault for an incident in which he allegedly pushed a detective into an investigator. The two public officials were trying to serve a subpoena against the mayor's friend. You know... I just opened my mouth to make a pithy comment about that right now. There's just really nothing I can say. I was going to try to make some sort of wacky response to that. And there's really nothing I could say that would just outstrip the insane reality of that situation. Can I just tell you, I don't. I forget where the town was. It's a that's somewhere, there's a little sort of area here called, it's like the Bend Sisters area. It's a very sort of like a, like a golf course, country club kind of place. If I recall correctly, she was the mayor. I think we had a mayor in Oregon who was actually just kicked out of office about three months ago. For uh, There was a photograph of her online where she was wearing a bikini top. I mean, really, that's it. They actually voted a mayor out of office in Oregon because she was wearing a somewhat revealing swimsuit in, like, her MySpace profile or something. I mean, you've got... I mean, they're, I mean, they're doing everything but microchipping the mayor of Detroit to make sure that he doesn't, like, skip off to Russia or something. So... And this is Detroit. This isn't some small, you know, town. He's the mayor of a major U.S. city. <laughs> you know, you would think that uh, he'd be a little bit more careful, you know? <laughs> I mean, does it? do you suppose, though, that it's sort of, I mean, 
Do you suppose that it puts a, the, 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 the warm glow, it puts a dream in the heart of every young miscreant and hooligan? You know, doesn't matter. I mean, you you could probably go out and set fire to a big bag of kittens somewhere. Doesn't it, you know what? It is? You could still become the mayor of Detroit. I mean, in a way, isn't this the most American thing of all, Steve Kastenbaum? It is. Rick, they published all of these texts from these messages back and forth between him and his colleague in the newspapers there. Like hundreds of pages. <laughs> and he's... He has, so far, up until this point, resisted calls for his resignation. Well, of course. Yes. Well, I mean, because what is the point? Really, what is the point of resigning? Look, uh, I forget exactly. I've lost track of the, 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 the laundry list of things you gave me that he either did or is accused of. I mean, I've got perjury, official misconduct, obstruction of justice, assault. I mean, really, if you haven't resigned or at least considered resigning after, oh, I don't know, perjury and obstruction of justice, I mean, really, you might as well stick it out to the bitter end. You're pot committed at that point. You know what I mean? I mean, look, so. our governor, Elliot Spitzer, he didn't even, like, for one second deny it. As soon as these allegations were made public about going to a high-priced uh, call girl, he left office. You know, it was like the next day, you know? And this guy is just fighting it, and there's so much evidence out there in, in the public sector, uh, in the public eye. The, uh, about what he did, and and he's just like I'm not resigning. All right, I got I got three observations to make right now, and then we'll talk a bit about uh, Brett Favre, uh, whose name I will never again be able to say properly. I mean, it's just one of those. It's like how I have to say Jean Claude Van Damme that way. Uh, three things. A, uh, I predict that sometime within the next three months, if it doesn't already exist, there will be some sort of a underground gangster rap song hailing the mayor of Detroit as like the greatest mayor in the history of the world. You know what I mean? You know, his nickname, I'm not sure if he gave himself the nickname or people in the public did, but his nickname is the hip-hop mayor. Uh, that sounds that sounds like a thing that maybe he didn't flat out give it to himself, uh, but he had like an aide sort of leak that to like, you know, like the source or somebody. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. hey, uh, hey, Detroit Free Press, hip-hop mayor, you know. Uh, a, there will be a song about him. B, somebody will create a mod to make the mayor of Detroit uh, they they will make him a playable character in the next Grand Theft Auto game. Uh, and third, third, maybe Detroit is sort of like the new Las Vegas. And what I mean by that is this: if you've seen the uh, the classic Martin Scorsese film uh, Casino, I think it's at the beginning of Casino where Robert De Niro does this great. He has this great little speech, and I, I, I'm going to butcher it here. I'm just paraphrasing. But Robert De Niro basically says, you know, no matter what you've done in the past, no, what, no matter you know who you were, no matter what you might have been accused of, you go to Las Vegas, and it's like a car wash for the soul. All your sins are washed away, and even the dirtiest among us can start clean. Maybe that's what Detroit is now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think you're right. It's possible. I mean, it's, it's just the most bizarre story that I that I that I've seen pertaining to local politics somewhere. It's just really it's outrageous. Uh, let's see. Uh, and just re real quickly uh, on the Brett Favre things, we did, we talked about it uh, a little bit yesterday. But so so but but last night was the first like he he officially joined or whatever. Because when we when we last left Brett Favre, you told me he was just sort of circling weirdly in a helicopter and like flying off in the direction of nothing. Yeah, that was pretty odd yesterday. But he did make it to Cleveland and he held. Uh, a press conference with the Jets officials, the upper management, and he talked about, uh, you know, he's, he loved being a Packer. He always wanted to be a Packer, and he'll always be, uh, I'm, uh, he'll always be one and, and, uh, and whatnot, but, you know, things just weren't working out there, and, and you know, this, he's got to look forward now, and he's here now to make, help the Jets win, and he made the following comment. I'm not a traitor. 
Um, never will be. It's business. That's the way it works. Um, I gave, gave everything I possibly could give while I was there. Now he's in uh, New York Green. All right, so as, you, as we sort of need to wrap this up, and as I sometimes do because I just got all these uh, sort of ideas floating around inside my head, and they're, they're just sort of like informational gnats flying around the bug zapper of my mind. And I can't really do anything with this, so I'm going to give it to you. Here's maybe an interesting sidebar story about Brett Favre, and maybe today, maybe next week, uh, maybe in the future if he does some other weird freaky maneuver. Okay. You do a sidebar article where you uh, you see how many Google search results there are for Brett Favre, like the combination of Brett Favre and various terms. For example, you should Google Brett Favre and traitor. Or how about Brett Favre and, uh, let's see, what was everybody say? We had, well, we had crybaby. Somebody yesterday said Brett Favre, extraordinary douche. Uh, so you should do maybe a whole se- where you do Brett Favre as the constant, and then as a variable, you search five different uh, supplementary terms on Google. Some good, some bad, hero, traitor, salvation, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, hypocrite, whatever. And then you kind of say, and through that, you can take the cultural temperature, sir. You know, you just reminded me that I needed to check if, he, if anybody had made an entry yet on Wikipedia for him. <laughs> I think we all, I think the answer to that is a resounding yes. I don't even need to look. Let's go see really quick here. Hold on. Wait, wait, let's see. Uh, um, it's, it's, not, it's not loading up fast enough for me to do. Uh, ruin the bit. All right. Well, in, a, but I, you know, in my bones, I know it to be true. So. Yeah. yeah. All right, my friend. Uh, big plans for your weekend? Can I make a big plug for my plans this weekend? Absolutely. On Sunday, I will be making an appearance on CNN TV on the Rick Sanchez show recapping my uh, trip to Cuba, but also, and more specifically, talking about um, my, um, how, my experience tracing my family's history in Havana. In the first half of the 20th century, uh, my family was in Cuba as part of the Cuban Jewish community. Really? Yeah, so I went there and uh, I met this uh, elderly man who actually knew members of my family and uh, had this great moment with him. So I'm going to be on the, the Rick Sanchez show in the 6 o'clock hour on Sunday. Uh, is that 6 o'clock? I don't know how that works. Is that 6 o'clock where you are or everywhere? You know, I don't know how it works in the West Coast with the weekend shows. So it's either going to be uh, 3 p.m. or 6 p.m. by you. I'm not sure. But it is Rick Sanchez Sunday uh, on CNN Television, and you, Steve Kastenbaum, will be, the, uh, will be the guest talking about tracing your family lineage in Cuba. Yes, the Jewish-Cuban community. Excellent. Yes. Well, congratulations, Brian. I'm looking forward to watching it. Really excited. And I'll, actually, I'll, I'll send uh, Sarah right now an email with an article that uh, one of the trade uh, newspapers, uh, trade columns, uh, wrote about uh, my experience. Excellent. Well done, sir. Congratulations. Very proud. Thanks. All right, my friend. Enjoy your weekend and uh, break a leg. We'll talk to you next week, sir. Okay. Steve. All right, there you go. Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. Boy, he's like even more into that Detroit mayor story than I am. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just... It's just, a, it's just insane. All right, uh, let's see. What do we got? We got the CNN radio correspondent James Roop, uh, who will be joining us in just a few. Uh, we got the glorious bastard of the week. We're going to announce uh, that. We have this, Rick. Um, you'll be glad to know your voice has, in a way, invaded my home. The other day, my wife stated, "Dang! In less than an hour, I have to go to work," which, in my mind, was immediately followed by the voice of Bill Pullman. Uh, your show, uh, your show has warped my home. I'm glad we can help. How about this, Rick? Uh, about the message today at 2 o'clock. Your message will be heard in the parking lot of Wild Oats on Northeast 15th and Fremont. Uh, best show ever, says Ryan. Thank you, my friend. 
Uh, later on, we'll do a little. Uh, we'll, we'll hit the phones, do a couple banks of calls, uh, see where people are going to be today. Uh, two o'clock, about uh, two hours, nine minutes away uh, from the Emerson address. Glorious bastard of the week coming up. Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Aaron Geek in the city. Duran. This, however, is CNN Radio correspondent. Hello, sir. Mm. How are you, brother? I am well. How are you? I am. Uh, I am fantastic. <laughs> Good. Uh, all right. Well, What's going on? You sound uh, exasperated. I don't. I don't mean to sound exasperated. I think I you need to cut yourself off of caffeine for a little while. Yeah, I've had a lot of caffeine today. I uh, I had uh, not too much sleep uh, the night before last. Uh, not too much sleep last night. And I'm uh, I'm a little bit uh, I'm a little bit sweaty and crazy and a little bit rock and roll. So yeah. it's just. Uh, it's one of those days uh, where I'm just, uh, things are ever so slightly frayed around the edges of my mind. How are you? Uh, better than that, I think. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm in a, just for the record, I'm in a perfectly fine mood. Uh, it's just uh, one of those days uh, where your brain is just, uh, where your thoughts are coloring uh, outside the edges ever so slightly. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> That's just today? Yeah, well, that is sort of an ongoing state of affairs <laughs> for me, but today it might be... Uh, Today it might be a little more exacerbated than usual. Well, what can I help you with there, my friend? Well, I know you got... So this is... I mean, Americans, uh, especially a certain sort of faction of the American population, really never met a protest they didn't like. Uh, and this whole... I mean, the, 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 like the, uh, the, the Chinese uh, Olympic thing is just... First of all, it seems like on the one hand, uh, there's a lot of attention being paid to the Olympics this year in terms of the Chinese government, some of their crackdowns, they've been... Uh, imprisoning some dissidents and they've been restricting the internet access and that whole thing of how they like they turned off like half their factories but the air still not even fit to breathe i mean there sort of seems to be a lot of discussions about everything except the actual olympic events happening this year i tell you i i spent uh ten miserable days in beijing about uh, nine years ago and uh everything they're saying is true <laughs> so i can tell you that from first hand uh, including um, getting a little crap from the Chinese government when I was there. But uh, the thing you got to give to the Chinese is that it's their country. They're going to run it the way they want. If you don't like it, get your butt out of there. Well, it does seem, I mean, it's sort of a weird thing to me that, I mean, I don't, I don't know how they, I don't really know what the process uh, is for, um, like, picking, like, did they just spin a big wheel or something? I mean, to pick, like, wherever the Olympics are going to be? I have no idea how that works. No, uh, c cities apply for them. Cities uh, say, we want to host the Olympics. The Olympic Committee gets together and says, okay, we have X amount of cities that want to do the next Olympics. Uh, let's go visit them. They go visit. And then the, the cities say, look, here's what you'll get. You're going to get all these new venues. You'll get X amount of dollars. Uh, plus the promotion will be greater than ever, you know, and so you should have it here. And then eventually they decide, all right, we're going to give it to this city, and that city then becomes the host, and they have roughly four years or so uh, to get ready for it. It's just strange, though. I mean, maybe not strange. It's just maybe perversely amusing uh, in some bleak fashion that the Olympic Committee picks. I mean, it's it's not like it's not like it's sort of a secret that China can occasionally be rather blunt uh, about things, uh, the way they treat uh, some of their own citizens or people who are there. Uh, so it's not like that's really news uh, to anybody. Uh, it, so it is, it's sort of weird that they would actually just invite this sort of hornet's nest by agreeing to put the Olympics there in the first place. See, I mean, they, the, China uh, promised in 2001 when they said, look, if you give, it, if you give us the 2008 games, we will change our whole human rights record. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, our people will be beautiful. They won't crap in the streets anymore. 
<laughs> Aim uh, high. They're not going to yell at each other like they do. They're not going to smoke like chimneys. In uh-huh. fact, we're going to get rid of the chimneys. Uh, and the Olympic Committee bought it. And it was just until, what, nine months ago that China says, well, we better turn these factories off. Yeah. Right. You know, let's uh, and plus, according to some numbers, there's a million and a half people now homeless because the government took their homes away to build these venues. The, the Chinese government says, no, nah, it's just about six thousand. So Chinese government says about six thousand people are displaced. Uh, the other folks say about a million and a half people are displaced. So, I mean, who are you going to believe? It's just fascinating and maybe not altogether. It's like. You know what it is? It's like picking Suge Knight to host a rotary dinner, you know? <laughs> it's just going to end badly, and then you can go, I have no idea. He, uh... Go figure, it turned violent. How I, uh, I am caught completely off guard by this turn of events. So, it's, you know, it, uh, we, uh, we used this quote, you and I, a few weeks ago when George Carlin died, uh, that he said, you know, with the, you know, when you are born, you are given a ticket to the freak show. And we are just surrounded on all sides by just inanity, uh, both both the amusing and, and the perverse. And this I, is, I agree. You know, this is a weird uh, mixture of both. Well, anyway, but you, so you got all these guys in L.A. because there's the, the Chinese consulates there, right? Yeah, well, there's yeah the Chinese consulate. There's a little Chinatown that's here. Uh, there's a lot of Chinese students uh, at UCLA. So it's it is a whole lot going on, and and the emotions really are mixed. I mean, a lot of people are saying, hopefully, this will shed some light on the new China. You know, the, the Chinese people that are in support of, of their home country and hosting these games say, look, China has come a long way. Where do you see the new China? Hopefully that's what you'll see. But you know what? In, in the Olympic coverage, they're only going to give you the positive. Right. You know, you're not going to get a very balanced look at China. And what a lot of these people are, are saying is that journalists, uh, electronic journalists, print journalists, bloggers uh, will not get access to things or their, their information won't get out to us because the Chinese government is too heavy-handed on, on the Internet and stuff like that. So, I mean, who knows what we'll find out? Who knows what we'll see? Uh, it, it, does anybody really care? Eh, I don't know. It just, it's something else to talk about. It is going to be it, – it, it's, it's funny that you said that they're going to accentuate the positive, as the song used to go, mm-hmm. uh, because there has already been so much talk about how the Chinese government is sort of blocking certain kinds of Internet access, and there's a very strong sort of filtering uh, going on about what people are going to be allowed to report. And so if one doesn't – really look at this with like you know really open eyes real a real critical eye you, you might just come away it reminds me of um uh you know in in uh, in 74 in uh, Kinshasa uh, which is really you know the rumble in the jungle um and i i forget the guy uh, the guy who was the president of Zaire his name was um his name was Mobutu or something but he was but they talked about how in a really strange way for about the three weeks surrounding the Ali Foreman fight in 74, mm-hmm. that Kinshasa Zaire was probably one of the safest places you could be because about a week before the event, uh, the president and his henchmen just went out and they rounded up uh, a thousand of the country's like <laughs> biggest troublemakers. This is the story that they rounded up a thousand of these guys. They just drove around and they're like, get in the truck. And they rounded up a thousand of the troublemakers. They put them all in this gigantic concrete prison. Uh, that was underground in Zaire, and the henchmen went in, and they picked the five guys that they thought were the toughest, and they just shot them right there in front of everybody else, and they said, now we're going to let you all go, and we don't want there to be any trouble for the next three weeks. <laughs> and, I mean, you know, that has that has the ring of horrible truth to it. So, it, it, the, And the Chinese government has a great they, – they do a great job of when something starts of surrounding – tackling and getting rid of trouble 
very, very quickly. To the bottom, you hear some commotion, you turn around, nothing's there. I mean, the Chinese government's very good at that. When I was there, I saw several things at Tiananmen Square that began and ended faster than it began. So it's like a communist Disneyland. Oh, my gosh. You yeah. drop a piece of gum, you turn around, gum gone. Right. Yeah. All right, well... You know, what can you say, my friend? It's an ever-unfolding ball of chaos, this world of ours. All right, big plans for your weekend, sir? No, sir, no big plans at all. Just going to relax, I think, and uh, prepare for a little, a couple of days off next week. All right, my friend. Well, as always, enjoy your weekend. We will talk to you very soon. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, sir. There you go. CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. How is everyone? Fine. All right. I think I'm reaching a point of stasis. I think I'm reaching. I think I'm... Yes. I think I'm uh, a little... Uh, was a little on edge during the opening segment of the program. I think I've, no. I found, you know what, I found my center. I'm not letting you have any more of yourself. Damn you. Damn you! All right. Back after this, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Stay there. Exactly. You look good. Less fat. All right, thank you. Thanks so much. Well, that was an awkward conversation. Hi, it's uh, the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. I was That's just, a bonding conversation. I was just noting during the break, just now, A, two things. I was a little frazzled in the opening segment of the show, 11.05 to 11.30 or whatever. A, because, you know, just kind of running at the last moment, getting some things done. And had had a lot of caffeine, but the thing is, had also had it just before the show. Uh, so is it, you know, that sort of thing where it's all kind of hitting you? Uh, I believe I've now reached a kind of stasis in my head. I've found my center. I believe I'm, uh, I am, it's like in a plane when you look at that sort of the, uh, whatever it is, the altimeter, and it shows you, like, level at the horizon. Inside, I am now level at the horizon. I have reached a, uh, I have reached a point of balance. But <laughs> the other thing I was going to say is that, so, I was a little thrown off at the beginning of today's show, because typically, you know, the show goes on, uh, you know, there's the recap hour from 10 to 11. show goes on at 11 o'clock, uh, you know, or a couple minutes after. But normally, we're all here in the studio by about 1040. You know, and we're all kind of here, like Sarah's here earlier doing her stuff, her special internet time, and Tim's preparing the news for the people, and I'm in my office, and, you know, the whatever. And then we all kind of meet here. It's like a band meeting backstage before going out to, uh, you know, to, 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 to rock San Diego. So we all come into the studio around 1040, and then we have, you know, like 15, 20 minutes of what I thought was bonding time, <laughs> where we all find out how everybody's night went, how are you, looking forward to today's program, what a nice shirt you're wearing, Tim, whatever. And so I came, you know, today I came in literally like 11.02, like as the theme music was starting. I'm like running, and I'm here, let's go! Uh, and so just during the last break, just now, like 30 seconds uh, ago, I was saying, well, you know, it's a, I just feel a little weird today. We didn't have our special bonding time before the show. And Tim says, in, in a style that really only Tim could say it, Tim says, what bonding time? What do you mean? And I said, you know, the, the, the 15 minutes or so before the show. And Tim said, well, I'm just ignoring you during that time. <laughs> and I said, but I, I thought that's when we were all bonding and getting ready. I didn't know it was bonding time. I'm just over here trying not to pay attention to anything. So this whole time, it was like a one-way bonding road. The bonding was all on this side of the table. I didn't know it was anything special to you. No, that's fine. Whatever. Now we know. That's, you know, it's, it's well, okay. I'll put more effort into no, you know, knowing it's bonding No, because see, now it's going to be weighted down with all this self-consciousness. Now there's just going to be... Uh... Oh, you know that Tim loves you in his, in his own way. 
And mm-hmm. he shows that by ignoring you. <laughs> I was just going to say, in a way that is completely disengaged. For most like people, I just leave the room. For you, I stay here. Okay, that's and fair enough. That doesn't mean I have to participate. <laughs> we showed him that we care about him by not touching him. Oh, no, that is, okay, fair enough. Mm-hmm. So it's all relative. So you're saying, by tolerating my presence in the room with you... 99% you, of the time, I would just leave the room. All right. No, that's a fair point. That Because you try to avoid contact with any anybody really at all. Correct. So the fact that we are all at least in the same room together for 15 minutes, I guess it's true. I guess, I, I guess really, the, uh, you know, sort of proportionally speaking, that does, uh, you know, that does carry volumes of import. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, never mind. I retract it then. Then oh, I feel special. To me. I feel retrospectively then that we did have our bonding time. I just didn't know it. All it's right. It's not so irritating that I leave. I'm just digging myself in the horse. Sorry. <laughs> no one recognized you. You look good. All right, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth. There's no one quite like him. It's your personal savior. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. So here we are, pounding around the wireless. And uh, this news hour is brought to you by our friends at Leif's Auto Collision Centers. Final state collision repair, go to Leif's.com and find out what Leif's do for you. It's a claybe. I've invented the term. Is that like a thing that you use to uh, to shave pottery? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, former American Idol runner up Clay Aiken has announced the arrival of his son. If you go to his website, if you can get on there, it says, Hello all. I know it's been a while. I'm sure you know it's been a full, full summer. Yeah. Sorry we haven't spoken in so long. But I'm sure you know I hate putting the cart before the horse. Not my way to tempt fate. But I want to stop, well, I want to stop by for a second, so I can be the first to tell you folks, he's here. My dear friend, singular friend, James and I are so excited to announce the birth of Parker Foster Aiken. No hyphens, one first name, one middle name, one last name. Wait, is the woman's name James? Yes. Okay, her first name is James. J-A-Y-M-E-S. All right, okay. Parker was born at a hospital in North Carolina just this morning at 8.08 a.m., Wow, 808 on 8808. That's a little, you know what it is? That's a little bit of publicist spin. I'm calling shenanigans on that right now. Mm, I think so, too. Mm-hmm. So, so this might be mentioned at the 2 o'clock address. Probably not. Uh, the, uh, no, wait a minute. So this is, and I can, I, I, this sounds weird, but I'm always getting him and Randy Travis confused in my head. Is this woman that had his, it's like my mouth doesn't even want to form the words. It's so unnatural. This woman who had Clay Aiken's baby. Out of wedlock. Um, is the uh, Clay Aiken's bastard child. I'm going to form a band called the Bastard Son of Clay Aiken. Uh, but, so this is his manager, something, or just like producer. a pal? A producer. All right. Gal pal. All right. A producer of, a producer of children. Mm-hmm. All right. The little man is healthy, happy, and is loud as his daddy. Mama James is doing quite well also. The Aiken family, the Foster family, and the Parker family are all thrilled. We'll share more at some time in the future. Love to you all. all right. See. You know what's a weird thing is that he didn't even win American Idol. He is, in fact, he, in fact, lost on American Idol, right? He's the runner-up. Didn't somebody, you said he's runner who won? Some other guy. Was that Reuben Stoddard? Was it? Tim? Yeah. Reuben Stoddard, was he the winner? I believe so. Some long-forgotten singer. That's the thing. It's like, so it, it doesn't even seem that, it just seems to be almost solely and completely arbitrary. Uh, who on that show is sort of, you know, picked by the fickle finger of faith uh, for fame, and who's just sort of like, like booted right into the musical trash bin. All right, here's so Tim Riley. So, Aiken is 29, and the mother, James, is 50. See, but 
All right. Well, whatever. Whatever. Doesn't matter. People can do as they please. Mm-hmm. I suppose. He's an example for children. Yes. Yeah. At least the mother's not a teenager. Uh, police have arrested the boyfriend of a woman who was run over and killed by passers-by trying to help her along I-5 in Camas. Authorities did not charge him in connection with her death. It just got dark. That was me. I just <laughs> he, adjusted he the light. He was arrested for allegedly violating a restraining order just three hours before he died. Uh, Sergeant Thomas Butch of uh, Washington State Patrol said around 1.30 in the morning, two people said they spotted a woman lying in the middle of the off-ramp to Camas and stopped to help her. Bad move. Hmm. That's when a white van suddenly sped away and ran over the medium after they reached the woman. The Good Samaritan spoke to the injured woman briefly, and actually uh, she sat up and moaned, and that was it. Ah, uh, that's the creep. Do you see? And so she was in the middle? Is yeah. it an off-ramp or an on-ramp? On-ramp or an off-ramp. I would imagine it was an off-ramp if a car came off it. Okay, no, that, okay, so he wasn't, okay, so he wasn't going on to that. He was leaving the highway, mm-hmm. and then there she was, like, in the middle of the, that's just a, that's a, that's a, that's a, and the, the, the thing of her sitting up right before the uh, car hits her, mm-hmm. that's like the, that's the final nail in the creepy coffin right there. Mm-hmm. That's no good. Portland, Vancouver detectives are working together to arrest two accused grave robbers suspected of taking metal memorials to sell for cash. Uh, someone in the first week of August stole about 100 bronze vases or vases from the Evergreen Memorial Gardens in the Arlington West Garden, the Veterans Garden in the cemetery. In addition, a Vancouver neighbor spotted a stolen statue and somebody stole a bronze plaque from St. Joseph's Church. Man, this place is full of near do well. <laughs> Uh, they arrested 19-year-old Derek Mayfield and 28-year-old Donald Milford for trying to sell the bases at a scrapyard. Maybe we just ought to start electrifying all of these things. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just you know, everything that we think somebody's going to steal, you don't have to make a lot of noise about it. You don't have to label it in advance. All you say is don't touch this, and then there's like some sort of a 100,000-volt wire running into the back of it. I think if you started just electrocuting like every third guy who's going to steal uh, scrap from meth money, I think you might see a drastic downturn in the number of these uh, criminal events. Just my theory. Somebody found a body in a bag, but not here. That got your attention, didn't it? Yes, it did. A bag body has been discovered at the site of an early morning house fire. Tacoma police say the death appears to be a homicide, and uh, the house is in Tacoma. It's not considered a crime scene, well, like most houses in Tacoma are anyway. One person was rescued from the fire and taken to a local hospital. The identity has not yet been released, but a body was found in the bag. You know, Tacoma is like the northwest's own little Detroit, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It really is. It's... Tacoma really is. There's nothing good about Tacoma. Tacoma sucks. Tacoma uh, is... And I'm trying to think. I think my brother might actually be... Because he's moved... No, no, no. They just moved from Tacoma to Wenatchee. So, I mean, that's... Well, I that's guess... a step up. Uh, yeah, I suppose. It's from fire to frying pan, I guess, at least. Uh, but, I mean, but again, after living in Tacoma, really, every, everything is a step up. Everything is... Uh, unless you were just... I mean, unless you were just going to move and live in the middle of a landfill, everything is a step up uh, from Tacoma. I mean, that's Tacoma is one of those places where, I mean, there's Tacoma, there's Seattle, and then of course there's there's the little town of SeaTac, and SeaTac really only exists. Is, Mc, is McRib back? Oh, McRib is back. Did something? Do we have breaking Did news? Die? Uh, nobody died. Do we have breaking news? Uh, we do. All right. Uh, I really got to get a breaking news. Is it funny or unnerving? Both. Is that a beheading? Oh, okay. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, let's. Uh, here's your breaking news from Tim Riley. This from ABC News just in. John Edwards admits to a sexual affair, and he lied as a presidential candidate. Oh, and he's out of there. John, I got goosebumps on my... I can feel a hair standing up on my neck as I read this. John Edwards repeatedly lied during his presidential campaign against an affair with a novice filmmaker. The former senator has admitted this to ABC News. In an interview to be broadcast tonight on Nightline, 
Edwards tells ABC News correspondent Bob Woodworth he did have an affair. He did have an affair with his 44-year-old real hunter, as the Inquirer claimed, but he said he doesn't love her. Oh, wow. Did he really just say that? Wow. He's going to say it tonight. Edwards also denied. He was, <laughs> dick. But, but, what a dick. Totally. <laughs> he also denies he is the father of Hunter's baby girl, Frances Quinn. Oh, please. Although, so he's admitting half. Brother, please. He's admitting half. Come all the way. Come on. Don't, like, half admit. Although the one-time Democratic presidential candidate says he has not taken a paternity test. Let me read that one Are more time. Are you kidding me? He has denied. He is the father of Hunter's baby girl, Frances Quinn, although the one-time Democratic presidential candidate says he has not taken a paternity test. So he's still kind of lying. All right. We should say right now, I'm looking here, this is why we love her. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From the Hill, undoubtedly calling about this very same story, seeing a radio correspondent of the stars, Lisa Desjardins. Hello. You know, I call. I started calling a, a bit ago, but I kept hitting the busy signal, and I wasn't. I wasn't dutiful, but I'm glad I got there. Uh, that's hey. okay. Our our phone is sort of weird here. Sometimes it's busy. Uh, two things. A. Sometimes it's busy, uh, even when it's it's not busy. If you know what I mean. And uh, secondly, we are getting a second warm line. We are getting a second studio oh, line. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so that, that that will be hopefully fixed in the future. All right, uh, Lisa Desjardins, go. How about it? Wow. I think the one thing that Jim pretty much covered it all, the only thing uh, that he didn't hit on, because actually we don't know too much yet, is that John Edwards apparently t- told ABC that he he is not the father because the timing makes it impossible, that he had ended the affair uh, before uh, this woman could have gotten pregnant. But I mean, so, what, but I mean, I guess what... I now know, we have he also here a former campaign aide, Andrew Young, has said he is the father of the child. Well, he was saying that before, but we called you right, on that. Right, and that was the and Edwards is saying I'm not the father. I wasn't responsible for those that fifteen thousand dollars a month that she's been receiving. But what we haven't seen the answer to yet is why why actually did he meet up with her? And as I think Tim said, um, Edwards did not tell his wife that he was meeting up with this woman last month. Uh, and it's not clear exactly why he decided to do that. And I know you guys have probably talked about that photo in the Inquirer yeah, that they, they say shows him with the baby. You know, so it's not clear to me why, why he would meet up with that woman, or um, as the Inquirer alleges, you know, hang out with her baby. I don't, I don't know. But he, he is definitely denying that he's the father. He is saying he did have the affair, and he's saying that his family knew as far back as 2006 about the affair, kind of implying that it ended maybe around that time. I guess the thing about it is, is that, you know, as we've said to you before, this thing about the Inquirer is I put a lot of faith in the Inquirer when they flat out say something definitively, when they say this is the case, not sources or people whisper or gossip mongers say, but when the Inquirer says, like, look, this is a fact, I believe it. I believe it, 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 to, to, in my, it to my bones. Uh, and so, but they got this photograph, right? Mm-hmm. And they're saying, like, this is a photograph of John Edwards and his baby. And so, you know, it's a blurry photograph. I, you know, I, I know what the Inquirer is saying. I just, I don't know about that photograph. I, I know that that's what they're saying. I mean, but, but I mean, I have no reason to doubt it. But I don't. I just, I can't verify that. I don't know. It seems like they are opening themselves up just as the biggest. The lawsuit and the, 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 was a, and my other thing is it's a blurry photo but also like think of the chain of events you would have to get wrong to be publishing a photo of John Edwards with a baby claiming that it's this woman's t- I mean you'd have to like one assumes that the the baby photo was taken in the hotel so I mean you would have to assume that he is somehow in the same hotel as the woman and in the same room as the woman and holding a baby yet somehow not related to the baby in any way 
I mean, it just seems like the the list of things that would need to go in a certain fashion for that photo to be both false and yet claimed to be that, it just seems uh, it seems implausible. So it says here, when the Inquirer first published the alleged Edwards-Hunter affair last October 11th, Edwards' campaign staff and Hunter uh, denounced the report. The story is false. It's completely untrue. It's ridiculous. He repeated mm-hmm. his denials two weeks ago. Today, he admitted the National Enquirer was correct. Once again, today, he admitted the National Enquirer was correct when it reported that he visited Hunter at the Beverly Hilton last month. The former senator said his wife had not known about this meeting. It's just all kinds of, and as we always say, you know, uh, whatever, we don't care what anybody does. But, but no, he, they do it anyway. But, but, that, but that's the thing. It's like you just sort of know everybody's, you know, whatever, you know, especially politicians. But, uh, but I mean, to some degree, the, the setting, a politician setting oneself up as a barometer of morality in some way, I mean, I think that's just sort of, that's why I think this sort of thing strikes everybody. And since becoming pregnant, this woman has lived under assumed names in a series of expensive homes in North Carolina and most recently in Santa Barbara. Edwards denies paying any money to Hunter to keep her from going public, but says it was possible some of his friends and supporters may have made payments without telling him. Hmm. Yeah, there's there are a lot of questions here still. You know, you can look at it either way. I think people who want to believe he's not the dad will say, why? Why would he? You know, clearly a paternity test is going to prove this one way or the other. If he, why would he say that if there's a chance that he might be the dad? But then the other side would say, why would he have lied twice before and then so blatantly gotten busted? I, can we all agree that it, it's Clay Aiken doesn't lie? <laughs> <laughs> can we? Can we? In a world of uncertainty, this is just true. Can we all agree though that? It just doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. right? He's like, when, we're now debating whether or not he's the, the, the father of the child. Can we all agree that, that it doesn't really matter? So at does this, this point? mean, I mean, he gets to speak at the Democratic convention now that he admitted it because he's being pressured be, behind closed doors to go, tell us about oh, the love child. Oh, that, that invitation is going to get lost in the mail. I think so. Yeah, I mean, the, the question, I think, is what role will Elizabeth Edwards have? And in fact, um, some people on the Edwards staff, one person that I talked to, or I have been emailing with in the last, you know, 15 minutes since this was breaking. Wasn't her role having cancer while this was going on? Well, she still has cancer, and so you know, it's and she's still still getting. She's got a form of chronic cancer, is how she looks at it. But her, apparently, no statement coming from Elizabeth Edwards at this point. We're waiting to see if that will change. Uh, their staff for the Edwards camp basically is saying they've been asked not to. Uh, really comment on this, understandably, and that John Edwards wanted to speak for himself. So we're waiting to see what happens with Elizabeth Edwards. She is a very important person in the Democratic Party, and, and it's hard to say. Uh, you know, she's kind of someone who's, who's handled things pretty head-on and uh, and really taken some th- some tough private stuff on the chin, especially, as you say, cancer. So, you know, who knows? Who knows how she's going to handle this? Other question, the Inquirer has just got to be like, ha-ha. Well, can I tell you, here's a little, here's a thing that, here's a thing that, you know, we had the, every week we have Dorothy Carcassera from the Inquirer on it. We, we were talking right. about it last week, and now, so yesterday, she, she was supposed to be on at like one one thirty, and at the last moment, uh, Dorothy from the Inquirer calls Richie Bristol, and she says, hey, I'm not going to be able to be on because we're really, really deep in a story right now, and we were like, WTF? Huh. You're like, well, what, what the hell? Uh, and so now, in retrospect, it's all so very yeah, clear. You know, here's the thing: is I just don't ever trust a guy that looks like a Fisher Price man. You know what I mean? <laughs> My only other comment on this at this point is uh, amazing strategy by ABC to find the one thing that could possibly compete 
with the opening ceremonies of the Olympics tonight. Yeah. And then amazing strategy by John Edwards to give this interview to run in competition with the opening ceremonies of the Olympics. Oh, so, wow. So there you go. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for calling us. You're, oh, yeah, definitely. You're a good person, Lisa. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, big plans for your Feel weekend? Dirty. Um, yeah. You know, actually, next week I'm on vacation. I go up to uh, see my uh, mother and grandmother-in-law, and I think I've told you before, and help, help them clean out their basement. Yes, yes, you yeah, have to go Yeah, back. that's next yes. week. All right. so. Have fun. Hey, uh, thanks. All right. Well, thank you again so much. Enjoy your weekend. Okay. Enjoy your vacation. We'll talk to you soon, Lisa. Okay, cool. There you go. Bye. CNN Radio Correspondent from the Hill, Lisa Desjardins. Awesome. It's one of those days. Acarumba. I'm telling you, I didn't expect this. I you did, which, I don't even remember what I was talking about. And I obviously, the picture has to be fa- real. If he's like already panicking enough to make statements, obviously, he's trying to kind Well, of it just seems weird. That. Like, you know, so now I mean? she has to do the standby... Your man photo op, looking admiringly into his eyes mm. on stage. Like it, a good political woman has to do. It just, it just, it's like the photo thing is just sort of weird. You know what I mean? Is like I was telling Lisa, like you would have to believe just this completely insane string of things. So he's admitting to half the lies. But do you see what I mean? It's but yes, and and the other half are negotiable. And the what will you offer me to? What will you offer me to cop to the baby? Uh. They, but you would have to believe just this like insane string of of things to get to I, the baby in the photo isn't mine. I mean, it's like it would it just makes like the, the, the sort of mental convolutions or a word like that uh, that you have to go through to arrive at a plausible alternate explanation. Something else important has happened here. It was not the New York Times. It was not the Washington Post. But the National Enquirer, yes. turning a politician's life upside down, a national... Po- I don't think that's ever happened before with the Enquirer. Celebrities, yes, but never politicians. Well, can I say, and that we, it's not just the and Enquirer... that's why the mainstream media has stayed away from the story. But, but, but it, it's not just the Enquirer. Can I say in some smaller, uh, to some smaller degree, it is us. Because what have we said for the longest time? We have totally said uh, that, that we believe the Enquirer story because the Enquirer isn't wrong. Uh, and so... Somebody just the other day was like, why isn't the mainstream media talking? And I, I said, I think on Monday or Tuesday, somebody had asked us about this story. And I said that the reason the mainstream media didn't want to talk about it, because everybody's like, well, it's because he's a Democrat, which you know, is not, I don't think is true. Uh, I, I said my whole thing was the reason the mainstream media didn't want to talk about John Edwards. Oh, we have to isolate that sound now. We have to just we have to. Uh, do you have that as an MP3 by chance, Sarah? Which one? Love Child. Oh, yeah. Well, I have I have the YouTube video up now. Mm, let's see if I have to get Richie to like get it isolated so we can put it on one of our sound banks. So in case you just joined us, John Edwards has admitted to his sexual affair and that he lied as presidential candidate over and over, but he will not admit so far that he's the father of the love child, but we know he is. And so when somebody asked about it earlier in the week, they're like, why isn't the mainstream media talking about this story? And I, th- th- what we said, which I think we all know now to be true, is that the mainstream media... I hate that phrase, but I, it's sometimes you have to use it because people know what you're talking about when you say that. The mainstream media didn't want to talk about it because the mainstream media didn't, probably doesn't, want to admit that the National Enquirer is better at this than they are. That's the thing, right? Yeah. The National Enquirer got the job done that nobody else could get done. And you, you work at the Washington Post, 
or something. You don't want to admit that. You want to admit that you got scooped by it. You don't want to admit that you got scooped by a newspaper that still has a lucky blue dot in the back you can rub for lottery numbers. Is that true? I think they have the blue dot still. I'm going to have to look. They have for, I mean, I think Mike Walker, you know, who's been on the, you know, he's being Howard and he's been like a bunch of time. He was the Gossip Inquirer. Somebody asked him about the blue dot. And I think up until a couple years ago, I could be wrong. I think a couple years ago, even, the blue dot was still there. And the, the blue dot was literally, and the back page of the Inquirer, the blue dot was literally, which is what I described, just a big blue dot about the size of a quarter printed on the page. And the deal is you would rub it for luck, you know, for like in love or in lotto or something. And the blue dot was there, and it was right between, like, there was, like, the love psychic and, like, cutest pet of the week or something, and, like, a jumble. Uh, you know, so the fact that they've got this story that, that nobody else was probably able to, I mean, that probably just, if you ever ask, you might ask yourself, you know, why, why does the mainstream media sort of get less and less and less and less attention? It's because of things like this. So, wow. So the other interesting part about this is John Edwards is denying being the father of the love child, although he's not yet taken a paternity test, but based on the baby's date, he knows he's not the father. So before that, it might have been. Is he keeping a ledger? Maybe so. Yeah. Uh, pocket diary. This guy says the Inquirer broke the Lewinsky story. That is not true. Uh, the Lewinsky story was broken by Matt Drudge. Uh, by Matt Drudge, who revealed that a Newsweek story by Mike Isakoff about Clinton and the intern had been spiked. Uh, Drudge is the one who first revealed that. So uh, not to not to be that correcting guy, but I give credit where credit is due. Uh, Matt Drudge totally got the Lewinsky thing going. Um, let's see. All right. Uh, let's. Uh, I don't think I can continue with the day after. <laughs> you, you're just gonna. You're, just, you're all selling and be smirched. I am. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? What's up? This is Stephen Nakuv. Hello, sir. Yeah, I just wanted to make a comment. Did uh, Lisa actually say that uh, uh, Edward's wife took hard personal stuff on the chin? <laughs> and I, uh, I made my girlfriend take off. Uh, she, I made her drop eight hours of work so that she could be here for your eight eight oh eight. Excellent, thank you, sir. That was You're foolish. welcome. All right, spreading the love. I don't have to cut you a check for that or anything, do I? No, you do not. All right, thank you, my friend. All right, all right, there you go. Well, okay, thank oh, you. Oh, don't choke, Rick Emerson. Don't choke. Oh, it's got to be good. I was just gonna like whistle. Or something. Seriously, when I was uh, when I was out last night, and I had some of those flyers that you gave me. I was like passing them out. I'm just like, what is this? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm promoting. I don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah, I have. Uh, I have nothing. And I don't think he does either. No. Uh, so uh, don't forget, by the way, uh, we got about uh, 90 minutes until uh, the 888 speech, the Emerson address happening today at 2 p.m. 90 minutes from now, my friends. Uh, so if you uh, in the next uh, 90 minutes, you find yourself by 2040 Southwest First. That is 2040. Southwest First, uh, stop by, pick up a flyer, a placard, or whatever. They are here at the front desk. We are in the KUFO building. Uh, 2040 uh, Southwest First is where we are. Those are at the front desk where Dave Zinn, the gatekeeper, resides. So, wow, what a day. It is. What a day. You know what it is? Here's the thing. A, can we all agree that I'm I'm much more centered now than I was about an hour ago? Yes. Yes, I thought we've gotten used to you. <laughs> yeah, you just adjusted. Uh, B... Uh, maybe now I can blame all the, uh, the beginning of the show crazy on the crazy in the air. There is crazy in the air. Maybe it was, maybe I am in some sort of a divining or I'm an antenna. Uh, and I was just picking up, uh, I was picking up the sort of nuttiness that is floating around today. This is like one of those guy jumps off the building, Brittany shaves something sensitive, uh, days. It's just, uh, there's that sort of a vibe. He does that in a while though. No, He's no. More sensitive. Uh, no they're, they're, we have to wait for a new generation. I mean, the, 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 the generation, the next generation of crazy celebrities is even now. Miley Cyrus is getting pretty close. Wow, boy, she's and she's like going way faster than Britney was. 
So, I mean, all right, well, there you go. It's just, uh, it's, yeah, I don't even know where to go. Should we, do you want to stick, do you want to do more, Timmy, or should we take a break? I think we should take a break and let it sink in. So, once again, John Edwards has admitted to the sexual affair and the fact that he lied as a presidential candidate. But he denies being the father of the baby so far, but has taken a paternity test. And he said he didn't love the woman. Then there's a Clayby. That was the top story before this happened. Clay Aiken's manager, who's like old enough to be his grandmother, has had his child. So he's the better father here. How, John how insane is that, by the way? That we it's were just America. making fun of Clay Aiken, who now looks like an absolute father paragon of, of virtuous parenting. Mm -hmm. He did it the honest way. Jesus. I don't understand this country sometimes. I really don't. It's just one big ball of mystery. That's why we're here every day. All right. Making sense of so, an insane world. Try to unravel that ball of mystery. All right. Back after this, we are uh, 90 minutes away from the Emerson Address coming up at 2 o'clock today. 888, ladies and gentlemen, 2 o'clock today. 503-733-2970. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Back after this. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. It is uh, Friday, 888. Friday, 888 today. Uh, about one hour, 19 minutes away from the Emerson Address. Happening today at 2 p.m. Today at 2 p.m., the Emerson Address. Uh, find a radio, find a web stream, find a pair of speakers. Uh, wherever it is you are, whatever you must do. Uh, and prepare to broadcast the glorious words of the people at uh, 2 o'clock today, uh, about uh, 1 hour 19 minutes uh, from now. Uh, why? It's, this is like, we're like in some weird, uh, we're like in some sort of weird radio version of a Richard Scarry book today. It's all yes. very busy. All right, here's Tim Riley. Sorry, in case you missed the big story, uh, John Edwards admits he lied. He had an affair after all, but denies he is the father of that love child. Love! He, he also made a point of saying that his wife's cancer was in remission when he began the affair, so that makes it okay. Cancer? I barely knew her. So after becoming pregnant, the mother of the love child lived under assumed names in a series of expensive homes in North Carolina and Santa Barbara. So not, she didn't do too bad. A series of expensive homes in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. The mine reels. Yes. So uh, that's it for now on that. We'll get back to that later. Uh, police early today are searching for multiple suspects who attacked a security guard. It happened at 3 o'clock in the morning at Sunset High School in the Burbs. A security guard making his rounds and noticed the lights are off and the construction site on campus they were supposed to be on. The guard goes to check out the situation and several guys run off. Then somebody comes up behind him and whacks him over the head. He's expected to be all right. There's no uh, description of the subjects. Uh, a new website launched by Planned Parenthood has come under criticism for its content. But the organization defends it, saying the topic of sex is serious and one that merits a straightforward approach. Uh, much of the site is of a mature nature. It features videos of teens in pink and blue T-shirts discussing sex while getting interrupted by a middle-aged man who dispenses advice, often in blunt terms. Uh, Craig Myers of Concerned Oregonians, yeah. a group by critical of Planned Parenthood, said that to him... 
The set represents a sort of endorsement by the adult society to the younger generation of people to do the very things that are destructive to them and to our culture. Uh, the Family Research Council are telling those opposed to the site to contact lawmakers and demand funding for Planned Parenthood to be terminated. You know, anytime they, anybody is concerned, it, anyway, that's in the title of their uh, group. They want to take something away from you. They're concerned about your penis. That's what they're concerned. Yeah. They're concerned about the they're concerned about the genitals of others. That's what they're concerned about. Uh, let's go to uh, Bremerton now for this story. Can we please? Mm -hmm. Ooh. They are going to crack down on baristas and their pastries. Oh, that should be pasties, I'm sorry. <laughs> City officials are cracking down on an espresso stand after receiving numerous complaints alleging that baristas there are serving beverages while wearing pasties. This is uh, Barista's Chicagoland Cafe at 601 Naval Avenue. They're ordered to cover up their breasts. Or the owner would face serious consequences. Wait, I'm, let's back up for a second. So this is in Bremerton, and it's like a—is it—is this in one of those drive-through places, or is it like a like a like a like a restaurant type? You know, like a walk-in. Yeah, it looks place. like it's a restaurant. So you walk in, and they were topless? Uh, no, they're not topless. They're uh, let's see, they're wearing pasties in public. And this is at uh, Barista Chicagoland Cafe on Naval Avenue. I see. So they were wearing paint, which is... Oh, Naval Avenue. Do you know where that is? Uh-huh. That's in uh, downtown Bremerton. Bustling downtown. Where all the hookers are. Of course. No, it's not the bustly part. It's the downtown, like, really... So maybe they're hi hiring part. hookers. Sounds like it might just be the busty part. Mm -hmm. uh, so they were wearing pasties. And then who is telling them they got to cover up? Uh, the city fathers and mothers. You know, I hate the city fathers and mothers. Really, when is the last time the city fathers and mothers did anything that wasn't a complete and absolute waste of time? Anyone? Anyone? And really, Bremerton isn't a glorious metropolis. It's like, that just kind of fits in there. So you get, and you Girls look, walking around with pasties on. And what are, this is two things. A, uh, this is just more evidence that we need that fixthatpothole.com. Uh, so we can be telling the people in Bremerton, we had some city the other day where they're trying to get the, the, some, some problem with boobs. It's always Washington. Boobophobia is just, just rampant in the Northwest. Well, the thing is, I mean, this is a state full of ugly people and somebody's attractive and wants to show off their body who should be showing off their body. In the meantime, all these ugly people roam around naked on beaches. It's okay for them. Somebody attractive is showing what the good Lord endowed them with. Got to be stopped. Got to be stopped. And you're really right about that. I mean... Okay, I got I got all these thoughts happening in my head. Let me see if I can get these organized. Sort them out one by one. A, yeah. we really ought to be doing that fixthatpothole.com, which is, shows every city or whatever in the country, and then it just lets you, and we would start with Portland, but it lets you see at any given moment all of the road imperfections and potholes that need to be fixed that the city has not taken care of. And as I always say, let that one in front that's been there for like seven years, it's so deep it wrecks your suspension when you go over it, they're sitting there covering up boobs. I think I got a pothole that needs to be filled. So there's that. Uh, B. Um, uh, wait, hold on. B. You are absolutely right about this. That when is the last time the city started cracking down on like? Isn't there nudism on Sylvie Island or something? Yeah. I mean, which is yeah, fine. Yeah, there's, there's a nude. B. You know what? Ha have at it. But just based on the. Based... I, I guess it's okay if if every ounce of you is just sagging somewhere. <laughs> Based on the anecdotal evidence, it does not seem like well, I don't think uh, I'm no uh, Adonis or nothing. But it, based on the anecdotal evidence, it does your seem. Your cleaner says you're looking much better lately. <laughs> you don't look so fat anymore. People not recognize you. Uh, based on what I have seen, the anecdotal evidence, the whatever people who've been there. It doesn't really seem like the people at Sovi Island are tens. You know what I mean? No. It seems like they're a little earthy, and yet. The city doesn't care about that. Like, there's no move, nor should they. Don't get me wrong. They shouldn't. But there's no move to make people put on their clothes at Rooster Rock or any of these places where it's just a whole bunch of folds and gray hair. And yet, 
as hey, Jim it, noted. It, it turns heads the other way. You, <laughs> and yet you get these uh, girls who are young and attractive, and I think we all know that that's the real crime they're committing, right? That's the thing. They're committing the crime of being young and hot in a city run by old, ugly people. Yes. And old, ugly people hate people who are young and attractive. I'm neither, so I can say this. Uh, so, you know, so that's the real crime, is that they're like good-looking girls who are dressing in a scandally clad fashion. So, screw that. Um, I think that may have been and, it. And there's so little of it to be found anywhere. Well, that, so why oh, not? that was going to be, yes, thank you. I'm sorry to interrupt. That's my final point. Yes. Tim, as Sarah noted, really, what is there to do in Bremerton? In Bremerton, one must Make take one's... and get fat. That's it. And so one must take one's joy where one can't... So gather ye rosebuds while ye may. You know what I'm saying? I mean, what else are you going to do? Just sit around and, you know, and wait for the ice truck to come by? There's really... It, Bremerton, like a lot of towns like that, there's just nothing to do. You're just going to sit around and eat paint chips or something. So, I mean, if Let's you go can... go to the grocery warehouse and buy a case of yo-yos and eat them on the way home. <laughs> I mean, right? That's that's all there is. Hey, do you want to stuff something? I don't know what. I don't know anything. Uh, so, uh, you know, you try to give people a little light in their day, try to put a smile on their face, a spring in their step, a dip in their hip. Uh, something about the... The ugly people always want to put an end to it. Tight ass. It's okay if they do it. Yeah, seriously, old ugly people uh, are just there. They are the bane of all the rest of us. Yes. Uh, because they keep taking away things that we'd like to look at. Sons of bitches. All right. I don't even know where to go. We got a comment. Well, let's see. I think this is about... We got John Edwards or we got potholes? Is John Edwards on the phone? Well, I don't really know that he's doing a whole lot else today or, you know, ever again. Um, let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. No, it's not John Edwards. Hi, how are you? <laughs> hey, it's Jenny in Vancouver. Hello, what's up? Hola. Hey, I had this thought, and I don't know, maybe I'm stating the obvious about this John Edwards thing. But, I mean, I know he wasn't doing that great in the election anyway. But does anyone suspect this is why he dropped out? Because didn't he kind of drop out really suddenly? Well, but he it was, was like, what the hell? All of a sudden he was gone. Well, maybe. Although he, well, was... he wasn't doing well for a long time. He did hang on. Yeah, he was getting like 11% or something. I mean, it Woo! wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't. I think he was barely getting enough for like matching funds. I, I, I may be wrong about that number, but he was a distant third. Let's put it that way. Uh -huh. It was. Uh, yeah, he was he was the RC Cola to Bill and Hillary's Coke and Pepsi. Well, somebody was keeping his spirits up to keep <laughs> Well, hey, and I want to say one more thing. Hey, Sarah, about Bremerton. Yeah. Um, my sister lives up there, and we go up there from time to time. And it is like going back in time. Isn't it weird? It's, it's a time crazy. warp. It's like 1998. And do people, or is it just my sister's husband that calls the fat women of Bremerton Bremelos? Oh, no, that's a thing. A, that's yeah, an old Bremelos. There, okay. There is, an, in fact, an entire Sir Mix-a-Lot song called Bremelo. <laughs> Because I always thought he was just yanking my chain no, about no, no, it, no. you know, and I'm like, oh, I don't know. No, people don't, like, they think I'm exaggerating about Bremerton, but it is so weird. It's, like, frozen in time. It and sucks. It, it just doesn't change. It's bizarre. I it's, mean, I go up there, and I feel like I'm hip, and I'm not hip. It's it's one of those places, and I've only been to Bremerton a few times, but in, it, in my, it, based on just the experience I've had there, Bremerton is like a couple other cities where, you know, you have to, you don't have to try hard at all to look stylish, smart, clever, whatever, <laughs> because exactly. the rest of, because everybody in the city is about 12 years behind you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so it's I like, don't have to shower, Sorry. and I could just wear a hat, and uh, I still look better than 75% of the other women yeah, there. That's what I'm saying. It's like, just <laughs> the bare minimum, you're going to be outperforming everybody there, certainly <laughs> aesthetically. By the way, so just as a side note, the next time you get a chance, you're online, you're buying music, you're doing whatever. Uh, pick up an album by uh, by Northwest uh, hip hop icon Sir Mixalot, oh, yeah. uh, the Swass album, and there's a song on Swass called Bremelo, 
and and it's it's great. And it's just about the girls from Bremerton, and it has that the girls of Bremelo. I mean, it's just, it's oh fantastic. God. So check oh that God. out. Well, and hey, I want to say one more thing, and then I'll let you get back to you know your <laughs> double jump. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't know. I thought I hit the cough button. Sometimes I don't. I hit sorry. it without. A, no, no, no. I'm looking at that. You sent me this photo of the picture, and it's on the front door of your building. Yes. All and right. So I'm spreading the word. All right. Thank you so much. All right, you guys, take care. Thank you. Bye. Spreading the the profane word, but that's okay, nonetheless. Hear it all online. Uh, how about this? A couple things here. A. Um. Rick, we as a people need to come up with a better term for love child. Uh, the current phrase seems to be anti-taboo. More specifically, it sounds like something... This is a good point. What phrase? Lo yes. The current phrase seems to be anti-taboo. More specifically, it sounds like something you want. A child born out of love and happiness. We need a better phrase that carries a heavy load of shame and regret. Mike. No, and, and John Edwards admits there was no love involved, and he does not love That's true. Woman. There is no love for that child. It's just in. John Edwards is a dick. It's an uh, unloved child. I mean, sir, an unloved child. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just, it, love child is a weird, here's a question, Tim. Uh, you know these sorts of things. You're, uh, you follow the culture. Um, did love child, did that come from the 60s? Is that a 60s-based term? I would think it would have came like in the 50s. But, I mean, that seems a little flowery for the 50s, doesn't it? A little, uh, doesn't that seem a little, here's, I guess let me ask you this. If love child is a child, well, now I don't even know. Now, what is the definition of a love child? Is it just out of wedlock? Because mm -hmm. that could be, but that would mean like half the kids in the country now. Put love child into Google, it's all John Edwards, John Edwards, John Edwards. <laughs> <laughs> Pwned. Uh, so is love child just any child without the benefit of marriage? It is synonymous with bastard. A child born out of wedlock. That guy's a real love child. Uh, it doesn't seem but it seems like there needs to be differing, different terms. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, 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 like, um, um, this sounds like a weird thing. But I remember at one point, uh, Joni DeRosha and I were having this big uh, argument about the word uh, atheist. And and what it really means, and she was saying that in her world there are sort of different, there are different sort of uh, shades of atheism, whether one just believes that there is no God, you believe in the non-existence, or whether you just have not been convinced that there is a God. And so she felt like there needed to be two different types of atheists. Blah 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 blah. blah. This is kind of like that because there's the love child, there's the love child. Oh. There's the love child. <laughs> I thought you had it, too. <laughs> I haven't gotten usually, it yet. Because <laughs> usually when I have it, like I'll play it once no. and then you steal it. I'll find it. It'll show up. I haven't gotten it yet. Uh, thank you. Um, you know, so, so there's that where, where it's like, you know, there's two uh, hippies sitting around scratching each other and procreating. Uh, and then there's this where it's like you just knock up some broad and she keeps the kid and then you're just, you know, whatever, just tell me where to send the check. That doesn't really seem like a love child. That seems sort of like a, uh, that's like a grudge child is what that is. So it does, maybe we do need some alternate term. That's a good point, sir. Well observed. A grudge child. I, I just don't know what you call it. This is, I mean, but you know what I mean? Because calling this baby a love child seems like it, uh, that then diminishes the term for people who are just in a loving family, no marriage. I don't really care that much. Uh, Rick. 
I am working from home today, streaming your show. I have all my windows open, and a good portion of the northeast section of St. Helens will hear the glorious Emerson Address at 2 o'clock. I have tested my theory, and with my windows open, your voice reflects perfectly around my entire neighborhood. Uh, so there you go, bouncing along the corridors of uh, St. Helens. Oh, boy. Okay, here's the best one so far. Later on, we'll do just a whole uh, bank of calls about where you're going to be at 2 o'clock today for the Emerson Address one hour from now on KCMD Portland. Wow, it's zipping right by there. It really is. Uh... Rick, let's see. I am in Auckland uh, at the. Let's see. I'm, I got to highlight this. Right? Listening live in Auckland at the Hyatt Regency. Rick, as the sun comes up here in Auckland at 7:08 a.m., I am listening in. The Kiwis will know your dominance in the world by the end of the day. Preach on, Brandon. So that is Brandon listening to us in Auckland. Uh, Did you get the one about NASA? Uh, no, but I, but the emails are kind of coming in real fast. Yeah. I haven't been able to read them all. What is the one about NASA? Are they going to be able to hear it aboard the Russian space station? I don't think they're allowed to hear anything aboard the Russian space station, except for the constant, the constant, uh, ticking of the clock toward, uh, toward, you know, the, the destruction of, uh, you know, whatever. Okay, this is a, this is anonymous. Not to make, uh, Rick more nervous, but I got confirmation that a certain satellite, um, relays used by the man and NASA are primed and ready by loyal geeks that shall remain nameless. So tell him not to feel any pressure as he realizes his speech is joining Voyager 1, Voyager 2, and Hitler as some, uh, one of the few speeches purposely broadcast into the final frontier. Let's make sure we just like the Sputnik. <laughs> Let's make sure we accent the Hitler part on the press release. I'm sure <laughs> yeah. love that. I'll be just like Sputnik. I can see your face on the side of the Sputnik. <laughs> Did you see in Wally there was a Sputnik reference? Yeah, I did. When he flies into outer space through the layer of garbage, you see the little Sputnik uh, on the side there. Uh, Rick, I have this is Tom at, uh, at Northwest Galaxy Taboo Video. Rick, I have put the word out. The world of adult entertainment will be listening. All Taboo Video and associated stores will be tuned in, along with companies in Chatsworth, California, our porn valley. We are all waiting with bated breath. Uh, just the way we have plans for Richie on a great scale. That's right. We got to do the. Uh, so Richie's going to be doing that whole makeover thing where they make him into a lady. Uh, let's see. I got one more here, and then we'll continue with the news. Um, this is from. Well, keep it anonymous. Although, maybe I don't need to. You'll see why. Subject line: Wake up, Melbourne. Uh, good day, Rick, Tim, Sarah, and Itchy Richie. Somehow. The background image for many of the computers at work was altered to display the Chairman Emerson image uh, with the 970 web address upon startup today. A mass emailing went out today with this. Listen, this, this, listen to what this guy did. A mass email went out today with the subject line, Kiki and I are happy to announce that she is dot, 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 with the body of the email saying, tuning in to AM 970 for the Emerson address on 888. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, there you go. Uh, our new Facebook pages are dedicated to, uh, to 888 and, uh, so forth. So that's Jules, Kiki, Coltrane, and Scarlett in Melbourne, Australia. Oh, that's so cool. Listening today. So, excellent. The Emerson Address, uh, about one hour, uh, from now. So, uh, so be listening for that. Uh, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Uh-oh. There's a rabid bat warning in effect for Oregon. State health officials want you to protect yourselves against rabid bats. Authorities have found five of them since the beginning of 2008. Bats are more active in warm weather. They play an important role in the ecosystem, especially in controlling insects at night. Oregon bats often eat mosquitoes and can catch over 1,000 mosquitoes in an hour. Imagine that, 1,000 of them. They also uh, often carry rabies, especially if they're seen during the day or fly into people. Oh. Other mammals in Oregon can be infected with rabies from bats. So health officials recommend vaccinating dogs and cats against rabies. So I guess we all do. I like bats. 
I mean, I really do. Bats seem, you know what it is? Bats are sort of like the ants of the flying rodent world. They were the most interesting thing to me at the zoo. They're, they're fascinating. Like, yeah, their faces and are neat. Cute. Their wings are cool. Yeah. They're cute. That's the thing. You gotta. You don't think bats are cute? There's something wrong with you. They've got a. You know, they're like sort of. You know, they're like little uh, like little flying mice. Uh, so, I mean, and it, you know, it seems like they do, uh, like, you know, apart from the rabies, it seems like they, you know, they do a good job. It's like they're out there kind of getting rid of pests and hanging upside down. And a generally... thousand mosquitoes an hour. That's you know, why you don't see any. You can thank the bats for that. Okay, can I ask a question? And maybe this has already been brought up. Uh, I don't mean the, the, the traffic and, and toilet discussion here, but so bats, they're sleeping upside down, right? Yeah. So uh, when they have to... Um, relieve themselves is that do they just stay hanging upside down or do they do it while they're flying no they get all over their faces if that would the truth but i mean but who knows i mean maybe it's just i would think they'd be smart enough to to stand face up and maybe but i mean can they can bats stand on their feet i don't really i don't think i don't think they can do that i don't think they can stand upright do they get on all fours i mean it sounds like a stupid question i thought bats could stand upright because they can hang with their feet they can hang but that that doesn't require any uh, bones. Yeah, that just requires gravity. Like that, just you have to be able to grip. Like I don't know that you could stand. Like I don't think a three, like a sloth, can't stand up on its on its hind legs. I've never seen a bat defecate, so I, I can't answer that with any certainty. You speak for all of us, Tim Riley. All right, uh, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. We plunge on boldly ahead into the one o'clock hour here. Uh, but don't forget, coming up later on, glorious bastard of the week, Aaron Geek in the city. Duran will be here. Uh, Dorothy Casaseri from the newsbreaking National Enquirer. Uh, let's see uh, what else. High concept uh, Friday. We, we do have to get that done at some point today. Uh, we're going to go to the phones, find out where you're going to be for eight eight eight, which is now uh, one hour away. One hour from now, eight 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 will be happening. That is at two o'clock today. And everywhere, here's Tim Riley. It's a terrible thing that helicopter crash in California. Uh, this had uh, several Oregonians aboard. NTSB spokeswoman Kitty Higgins said the helicopter suffered extreme fire damage during its crash. The helicopter was equipped with a voice data recorder, and we will work to recover that recorder, but we can't guarantee its condition because of the extensive fire damage, and that may, unfortunately, limit its usefulness. So they did find it, but... We don't know if it's in working condition. They just found it moments ago. The helicopter crashed 150 yards from the takeoff site. The accident aircraft had been refueled and was re- had returned to Hellespot 44 and had just lifted off uh, when the accident happened. Uh, Katie Higgins tells how four people survived that crash. Two survivors escaped the aircraft, and when they le- when they were able to get out of the aircraft, they were on fire. The wow! Escaped uh, under his own power. Uh, and went, did go back in to rescue uh, and pull out the fourth survivor. Yeah, one of the survivors managed to survive be- because he pushed someone who was on fire off the top of him. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, one of the survivors is also a hero. Third escaped uh, under his own power uh, and went, did go back in to rescue uh, and pull out the fourth survivor. Wow, I yeah, that's... And who wants a job like that? I mean, I mean they're really brave. Uh, yeah, firefighters are brave. Really, they're braver fighting forest fires. No, I mean, well, the thing about you know the, the firefighters, uh, not unlike cops, as we sometimes say, is that it's. I think it is, and I heard somebody make this observation about you know a lot of guys were so you know like a guy who's in Iraq, you know they they always say this, uh, and I think they showed this for Gulf War One, like in Jarhead, but I, I know that that that. Um, uh, that new uh, that Generation Kill show on HBO, they talk about this a lot, too, where anything like that, where you're the military, you're a cop, firefighter, it is, I think, long periods of boredom 
punctuated by moments of extreme danger and adrenaline and, and, and terror or whatever. But, of course, even the long stretches of boredom are stressful because at any moment you know that, like, the, the, you know, the, the crap could go down, right? right. You know, like we always talk about, it, you're a cop. You're driving along. You're doing your thing. you got to, you know, you're pulling some guy over because his taillight is out. But every time you walk up to the window, you don't know. It could be some nutcase. could be some guy with a machete or whatever. Same thing with, the, you know, the fire. Now, here's a question. I don't really, I don't, my mind is just completely made up. I don't really have, like, actual knowledge of my own. Everything in my head is just from, like, what I've seen in 1950s sitcoms or something. So... Is it is it just like you see where like the fire the fire guys are all sleeping at the fire station, and like the bell rings and it's like down the pole and into the thing? I don't know. I've never been in a fire station. That's a good question. I mean, that's during the night. I think if you were to take a hundred Americans and ask them to describe what it looks like at a fire station, and then what it looks like when the bell comes in, you know, the alarm, I think everybody would have that same image where it's you go upstairs and it's like it's like the weird like the loft with all the beds and the guys like, and then. The, the alarm, and then there's the pole and the hole in the floor, and they slide down and like you know to the Batmobile away. So, but I don't really know if that if that has any semblance you know of truth to it. I have no idea if that's based in reality. Anyway, so I mean, we have to have some firefighters. We must. I mean, anyway, so you know, as you just said, I mean, this is braver, braver men than I am. So here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. So it's bad enough that the cops broke into the house of the wrong person, but it's even worse that they broke into the house of the mayor, uh, Berwyn Heights, Maryland. He's calling for a federal investigation after police burst into his home in a botch raid. The mayor, uh, Shalo, let's see, Shalo Calvo, wants the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Justice to investigate Prince George County Police and Sheriff's Office for what he described as brutal injustice. Apparently, they entered his home illegally. I thought it was a home invasion. I mean, it made no sense. Uh, but once I realized that they were actually law enforcement officers, I began asking for the warrant, which they didn't provide me that night at all, and I only got it about three days later, and then it turned out that it was it was not a no-knock warrant. So they break down his door, wow. handcuff him and his mother-in-law, and fatally shoot his two black Labrador retrievers. And it's the wrong house? Uh, the, the raid happened after Calvo brought in a package delivered by police posing as delivery man containing marijuana and was addressed to his wife. So they set him up for this in the first place. County Police Chief Melvin High said Calvo and his wife appeared to be innocent. I would say so. They're being set up for this. Police have arrested two people in connection with an alleged scheme to smuggle drugs by shipping packages bearing the addresses of unknown recipients. Uh, the mayor says he's calling for an in-depth investigation. The mistakes are plentiful. They did not even look up who lived in our house. And then, immediately, when the facts start coming out, instead of owning up to it, they began to say simply false statements. They blamed my dogs for getting shot, despite the fact that they were far away from the door and killed immediately upon entering... Wow, that's so. Not only did they they set him up, they botched this whole thing. It's like that's that, 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 that's a jillion dollar lawsuit that they will uh, almost certainly lose. Wow. All right, uh, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. This one says Rick. Uh, let's see. I am listening to the show here in sunny Philadelphia. Uh, I will be aiming my speakers out the windows. Uh, best show ever. Thanks for uh, thank you for listening, sir. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program, sir, madam, as the case may be. Speak now. Hey, everybody. What's up? Uh, I had a question. You know, okay, you know how different animals are, like, classified, like, you know, there's a gaggle of geese and all that crap? Yes, sir. Okay, so, and then you're talking about bat poo there for a minute? Yes, we were. And it's called guano, the official name of bat poo. It's called yeah. guano. And then uh, livestock, it's manure. Is there a name for every type of animal, too? 
That's a good question, actually. Hmm. Don't fish in fish? Isn't it called roe? Isn't that what you call it in a fish, R-O-E? I think that's their eggs. Mm, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about then. <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Well, all right, that's well, why see, I called but, you. You know, can I just tell you that, that question right there, for good, for ill, uh, for right, for wrong, that is the sort of question that defines. I should just take. I should just tape that and make that the Amherst can address that question. That's that's hey. what this show is right there. We'll find out, sir. I would be honored. Thank you. Right, thank you, my friend. All right, there you go. Favorite uh, name for a grouping of animals? Murder. Murder of crows. It's got to be. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, you know, can I just tell you this for the you know that uh, that Counting Crows album, August and Everything After, which is really a classic album. I know a lot of people don't like those guys, but that's a that's a great oh, that's, record. Yeah, that album's amazing. It's an unimpeachable classic. Um, Boy, you know, we, I could just do, I don't know, don't, I could just do just nothing but hours every day of little moments when you're in a car, in a whatever, and you hear a song, and it's on the radio, and it's, you know, the little, the little magical moment of whatever. Uh, I remember um, the first time I heard Cannon Crows, and boy, 30 seconds ago, I didn't think we were talking about that. Uh, I remember the first time I heard Mr. Jones, which is, I think, the first thing I ever heard from those guys. And I was in a parking lot, and I heard that song, and it was just so great. It was just so evocative and just, you know. And here's the thing about that song, Mr. Jones by the Counting Crows. You just listening to that guy, Adam Duritz, who wrote that song and who's singing it, you just, you, you heard that song, and you just, you knew just in your, in your heart. You just knew instinctively that he sort of, like, lived it, that that was him. You know, he was, that that sort of came from a thing he lived. Um so just a great. And then I heard that song on the radio the other day, and it's a great song. That, it's hard to find people who don't love that song. And that, and you know, that whole album is really strong. Round here, mm -hmm. which is the opening track, which is beautiful, and August and everything after, by the way, has like one of the five, one of the top five saddest songs of all time, which is "Raining in Baltimore." That's a gun in your mouth mm -hmm. song. Uh, but the end, I do believe that the final track on August and everything after is a murder of one, which I realized years later is a sort of play on a murder of crows. Uh, but I didn't really think about it at the time. At the time, it seemed much more poetic, sort of sinister. Uh, you know, so, anyway, this is a little excursion to nowhere, but, well, murder of crows. All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, here's Tim Riley. Uh, hey, kids. Uh, the American Mall debuts tonight on MTV. It's based on the fact that kids love malls. It stars uh, Nina DeBove as uh, Ellie. Rob Mays plays Joey. He's a young musician who's lost his band's musical instruments to a theft. He heads to the local mall to shop for replacements. My character comes in contact with um, Allie. He hears her music as she plays it at night, and um, her mom owns a music shop in the mall. And we end up collaborating and, and falling in love. He starts working with Ali, and the situation gets complicated. In the midst of this collaboration, Madison comes along, the mall owner's daughter. She tries to take me away and I hate the show give already. me the instruments. Is this on CBS? Be the face of her MTV. clothing line, okay. and really wants just to get me to sell out. Yeah, whatever, whatever, dude. Yeah. They're selling music, not selling out. I American Mall, really? Real kid. All right. Uh, I can't even remember the last time I watched MTV. I'm trying to think. I mean, I must have done it at some point, but it's, it's so long ago that I can't even. I can't even. I mean, it must have been by accident. Well, that's I mean, Martha Quinn's an attractive gal. Yes, she is. We could probably get her at this point. Yeah. I mean, on the show. Uh, Martha Quinn, mm -hmm. you know, is she doing anything right now? She was doing those uh, Noxema or Neutrogena or something. She was doing some, some like, face product or whatever. 
Uh, I mean, we had Nina Blackwood on the show a long time ago, long, long, long time ago. Uh, and I think, isn't Alan Hunter dead? Hey, one of those no, guys No, 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 Alan Hunter. J.J. Jackson. Yeah, he just died recently. J.J. Jackson is dead. Alan Hunter's still alive. You know who else we could probably get on the show? Speaking of old MTV guys. Well, we could just do a whole, we won't now because no time and whatever. We could do a whole thing about MTV personalities about whom everybody has forgotten. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say right now, Adam Curry. So, there you go. Also, Adam Curry. Also, Kevin Seal. Uh, Kennedy. Uh, Kennedy. Well, she's from Lake Oswego, you know. Really? Yeah, she is from Lake Oswego. She, um, let's see. So she's from Lake Oswego. Uh, what else do I know about her? She was hosting a show. She hosted a poker show with Tom Likas, of all people, a couple years ago, two, three years ago, maybe. It was Tom Likas and Kennedy and the TV poker show. And I forget what the gimmick was. I think it might have been a, like a men versus women, you know, like a women playing against men. At the, I might be wrong about that. But but Kennedy and Lycus were doing a, a poker show together. What else? She was doing some geek show on G4, I think, at one point. And the last time I was unemployed, uh, I was trying to get a job at The Buzz in Seattle, which was a sort of, what I think is gone now, which is an FM talk station there. And I think that, they were either she was either getting ready to leave, and I was trying to get the gig, or they didn't hire me and hired her instead. One of the two, I can't remember. There was, there was some sort of a thing, some sort of like weird paths crossing where she and I were sort of like angling for the same day part on that station, and clearly that didn't work out well for me. Uh, shall we do these calls? Yes. Yes. All right. Yes. Let's yes. take some yes. calls. Then we'll continue with the news. Don't forget at the bottom of the hour, Dorothy Casaseri from the Story Breaking National Inquirer. Later on, Aaron Geek in the City Durham with exciting rename 42nd.org news, glorious bastard of the week, high concept uh, Friday, and of course the Emerson Address happening today, 888 in about 48 minutes, uh, 2 o'clock. Uh, let's spend a few moments with our good friend Dennis Pitzenbarger, host of Miles Around, airing tomorrow on this very fine radio station, 9 to 11. Hello, sir. How you doing, sir? What is up, brother? How's life? How are things? Uh, life is great. I uh, actually just got back from New York City and uh, had a chance to drive the new Dodge Challenger. That was exciting. But uh, I think the show you're thinking of was actually the first incarnation of Poker After Dark, where it was Kennedy and Tom Likas, because that was probably the most uncomfortable co-host situation I've ever seen on radio. Well, she's Kennedy's a little. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like all like all geeky guys i mean i loved slash love kennedy i mean she had a little you know kind of an angular sort of appeal to her but well, she had a real sarcasm to her that made her appealing and then when you threw her in with tom Likas, you almost could feel the tension between the two not that they didn't like each other i just think they kept looking at her like did you really say that well did i don't you really say that kennedy strikes me i mean we're not just venturing down a rabbit hole of yesteryear but kennedy did the vj from mtv uh, she always struck me as the, the kind that didn't really work and play well with others. Because, you know, when she worked really well was when she was on the screen by herself. But you would have these things where they would send her out to, like, do interviews, or she'd be at some, like, it's Kennedy at a, it's Kennedy at a, at, a, at a Skid Row concert, you know, interviewing fans or whatever. And it was like, you could tell she just hated everybody she was having to talk to. Uh, she just did She thought it was all, you know, she could tell she she just dripped with contempt uh, for the whole thing, so yeah, look at it. Well, no wonder you liked her. I mean, you, you've often said that you are quite recluse when it comes to your private time. I, I will say, and she's also kind of hot because she has a GOP elephant tattooed on one of her thighs, which I find sexy in a strange way. Uh, what's up on the big show this weekend, brother? Uh, well, we got a we got a pretty packed show this weekend. We're going to have um, some great news stories, including the uh, rampant uh, tossing of trucker bombs, the increased uh, exposure of. Uh, you know what a trucker bomb is, by the way? I have no idea. 
Uh, trucker bomb is when the uh, local truck driver decides to relieve himself in a two-liter and or any other kind of containment system. We were talking about this yesterday, that they found 200,000 urine-filled bottles around Oregon. Yes. Um, Big Jim from KUFO often says that that's what he's drinking on the way to the show when I pick him up. So um, I, could have, I could have lived without knowing that. I'm sorry. I just had to share. But he, he seems to always give me those tidbits of information, so I... Try to pass them along for fun. Well, all right. But, uh, we got that show. We're going to talk about uh, driving a couple cool cars. Like I said, the Dodge Challenger's out. I was actually really excited to drive that car because it's 22 grand. It looks like a 70s muscle car, and it gets almost 30 miles per gallon of gas. So I was kind of uh, excited about that. And I got to go see the Statue of Liberty. I'd never been to New York City before. Now I don't even uh, not, because of the, I went to the Statue of Liberty pre 9/11. So can you? I mean, can you go up in, inside of the? What can you? Can you even go inside the Statue of Liberty now? Well, we went, we were allowed to go on the island. We didn't go up in the Statue of Liberty, but it was actually probably the most interesting part of the trip was the people for Chrysler who they hired to drive you from the airport in Newark all the way over to Manhattan were ex-police officers or current police officers mm -hmm. for New York. And the history lesson that we got on the 35-minute drive over was really interesting about how it affected him, talking about the boroughs of New York and growing up there. And it, I tell you what, and I, I know a lot of people have been to New York. I believe you and I know for sure Sarah's been to New yeah. York. Yep, I'm going in a couple of weeks, too. Yeah, and you know what? I, I have to say that yeah, I was really blown away. I would recommend that anyone on the West Coast go to New York because I have a, such a different scope for what that city brings but let alone what happened there. And oh, it was just, it was really mind-blowing. It is, it is an amazing place, certainly, certainly historically, if, if nothing else. Uh, real, real, before we wrap this up, I wanted to ask something. Maybe I hope I'm not uh, the cat out of the bag or whatever. Now, you're, because you got a thing coming up. Is the, I guess they're now called uh, Tour de Force or Van Nibbler. Uh, are they going to be doing a thing for you? Van Nibbler? Oh, for uh, the OCC. Yes, yes. Yes, we're going to have them. Yeah, we've got hooked up with the Tuttles. I've had Mikey on the show before. So, uh, yeah, James, uh, my board op, the sexy mother beyond the board, as we call him, has hooked up an interview with the Tuttles. So we're uh, going to do some stuff with them. And it all does gear up, and i got I got to do my, my, my quick pimp, if you don't mind. It's the August 23rd listener event for Miles Around. So we're going to have Appetite for Deception, Hot Rod Carl, uh, a lot of cool, uh, you know, bands, cars, giveaways, uh, vendors. We're going to give away that guilt card, all that stuff on August Excellent. 23rd. So I right. appreciate you letting me come back on the program and say hi. The uh, the website is uh, it's Miles Around Radio or MilesAround.com? MilesAround.com. MilesAround.com. It airs tomorrow, 9 to 11, immediately preceded by Car and Driver Radio. All right, my and friend. I, and I do have to tell you that all the radios on all the bikes at the Harley store right now are on AM 970. So you will be broadcasting live from the Gladstone area. Thank you, sir. Yay. You're good people. All right, All right, there you go. Dennis Pittenbarger, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you want to do a couple more? We'll break early here, come back with Dorothy and so forth. Yeah, because if we wanted to right. start it at 2, we've got to... Uh, so we'll do some more calls here and, and so forth. Here's Tim Riley. So uh, let's go to the uh, opening of the Chinese Olympics, where the uh, president of the Olympics, Jacques Rogue, and Chinese president Hu... Who? Who? Uh, open up the 2008 Summer Olympics. Here they are. I know have the honor of asking the President of the People's Republic of China to open the games of the 29th Olympiad of the modern era. Off of their heads. I was, I was just going to say that I, 
it's that old cliche where if if today was yesterday, I had this whole thing set up where you're going to say blah 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 the opening of the Chinese games, and I was going to go right to the Chinese protester. Oh uh, yeah. But of course, I deleted it yesterday. Darn. Why? Who would ever need that? Why would I ever need that sound again? Here's how that That's joke. The other thing we were talking about too. Do you have the Chinese protest? Here's how that joke would have sounded. Tim, can you just do the lead-in sentence again? Uh, let's see. Uh, it was time for the opening of the Summer Olympics. The President Jacques Rog and Chinese President Hu opened the 2008 Summer Olympics. See how that would have been funny? It's, it's still funny. funny. <laughs> but I, I deleted it yesterday. Sarah and I were sitting going to the set. Uh, should I keep the Chinese? Pro- when would I ever need that? Delete. So, all right. Well, there you go. Let's do uh, one more here, and we'll take a little break. Hey, it's the anniversary of the Billboard Hot 100. It was launched in 1958 around this time. The director of charts, uh, Jeff Mayfield, says the magazine believes the Hot 100 is the most recognized single chart in the world and plans to keep it that way for many, many years to come. Our mission will be to continue to try and make sure that by adding these other ways in which consumers experience music, that will continue to be an authoritative measurement. And, and of course, we'd like to think that it's the grade card where recording artists find out whether or not they made the grade. That's just a whole meaningless soundbite is what that is. It is. That's not the way the music business works. We all know that. Nothing there. Uh, He shares the most ever Hot 100 number one hits. The Beatles have the most with 20, and they did that in a really short period of time. Most of it being accomplished was just just a a two- or three-year period. And then after that, Mariah Carey has 18 number ones in the 50 years. Michael Jackson I wonder how that happened. has 13. Yeah. It's totally honest the way they do it. It's <laughs> Above board, Tim. All right, let's take a break here. Back after this, more from Tim Riley around the corner. If you're on hold, please hang tight. Uh, we'll get to a bank of calls after this as well. Uh, Dorothy Carcassari coming up for the National Enquirer, and we are now 39 minutes away from the Emerson Address, uh, happening today at 2 p.m. here and everywhere. And I'll fill time because Tim Riley has a live commercial for EcoPDX. He just left the studio. He doesn't know that he's supposed to read a live commercial from one of our many paid advertisers in probably 30 or 40 seconds. This is vamping. This band is called Shiko. Shiko? Covering the Greg Kinn classic, The Breakup Song. They don't write them like that anymore. Fantastic song. Here's a fun fact. Greg Kinn actually doesn't own the rights to any of his master recordings. So if you hear the breakup song as performed by Greg Kinn now, released on CD or whatever, it's actually a re-recording in which he tried to make it approximate the sound of the original master tapes, because, again, he doesn't own them. Tim Riley's still not back in the studio. Theoretically, we would have been in a commercial break by now, and he would be actually talking about EcoPDX as we speak. It's possible he's in the bathroom and will never return. Eat snacky s'mores. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. An excursion into whimsy. Thank you for coming along. It's 503-733-2970. This email says, Rick, on behalf of the Bigfoot Researchers Lunch Club, I am writing to... I am writing to say that a good chunk of our membership will be listening in and will promote your 2 p.m. Emerson address today. 888 on our site to Bigfoot researchers everywhere, 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 everywhere. Thank you, sir. It's uh, 
970-503-733-2970. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. And now, now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. 24,000 gas grills made in China and sold at Lowe's are being recalled because they melt. I guess that is a bad thing. These grills are made in China, and it's called Perfect Flame Brand. They have a double lid, a four-burner grill, and uh, the problem... Wow, they're expensive, too. They sell for $300. So if you have one of these, there's a good chance it might melt. So uh, bring it back to Lowe's and get uh, some other quality product made in China. A grill that melts? Yeah, that's correct. That's weird. Mm-hmm. And leave it to the Chinese. Well, at least we're keeping them busy now with the Olympics. They don't have time to make any quality products at this time. The terms of the divorce between Jim McGreevy and his wife, Dina, have been released. And it's uh, a big win for the former governor. As a matter of fact, he doesn't have to pay his ex-wife anything in alimony. He just has to pay uh, child support. That's $250 a week, which isn't bad. They were able to come to terms on sharing custody of their six-year-old daughter, Jacqueline. Uh, Dana Matzos was seeking a million dollars in alimony payments. Well, she's not going to get anything. So that's that. I agree he's the guy who said he was gay. Well, I guess he proved it. <laughs> Is that other, uh, that his official designation? Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, she gets nothing due to her own stupidity, really. You should have known. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, Robert Novak, not the one with the brain tumor, but the homeless one, has been homeless for over 10 years. But the Broward County man is about to have a change of luck. A newspaper article asked the public to help in finding the 61-year-old Novak who was set to inherit $100,000 from his dead mother. Uh, he visited the doctor's office Thursday, the same office where his mother was treated before dying. And, uh, well, the staff knew it was him. So, out of the woods and into the wealth, I now, guess. Now, if this isn't that guy, there's that Showtime. Have you seen that, that thing on Showtime? It's called um, I don't get Showtime. Reversal of Fortune. No. Uh, Showtime, a proud part of the CBS family, is it not? I guess so, yes. Sort of. mm-hmm. uh, I think there's this, there's this show on uh, Showtime uh, which is where they get some homeless guy, mm-hmm. and they give him like a hundred grand, mm-hmm. and then the deal is they follow him for the course of however long to see what he does with the hundred grand. And, of course, you know, and of course, he just... Spend went. it on foolishness. <laughs> exactly, Tim. He just, he winds up with bupkis uh, for his trouble. This is not that guy. No. This is some other guy named Robert Novak, but not the one with the not brain tumor. Not the brain tumor, tumor guy. Not the, not the brain tumor running down everybody who gets in his way guy. Mm-hmm. All right, just checking. Why was he still, I mean, driving around with a brain tumor? You know, that's a good question. First of all, he's older than Methuselah. Mm. Second of all, he has a brain tumor. Third of all, uh, from what we've heard, this is not like the first time that he's been, like, running the guy down, allegedly. So, I mean, it just seems like, it seems like they're nature's ways of telling you you ought not to be behind the wheel of a 2,000-pound box made of uh, glass and pointy steel. But, you know, maybe I'm nitpicking. Um, Couple things. A... Uh, this coming Tuesday, uh, because we've been working on this for a long time, this coming Tuesday uh, at 2 p.m., so that's what, the, the, the four days from now, whatever, next Tuesday, 2 p.m., uh, we will, in, ha- in fact, be having uh, the, I don't call him the bike guy, uh, but the guy from the transportation department for the city of Oregon, or for the city of Portland, state of Oregon, uh, who will come Brad on. The, Brad the bike guy? I don't know, what is it? His name is Roger? Is that the Roger deal? the bike guy. Richie, is his name Roger? Whatever you do, don't clarify what his name might actually be. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Next Tuesday, I, I asked for it. I, di- I did ask for it. It's, I walked right into it. Uh, but next Tuesday, 2 p.m., we'll be having somebody from the city of Oregon on to answer a lot of those the pesky questions about the bicycles and cars. 
and the intersections between the two, both literally and figuratively. So we've been trying to do that. Greg, all right, his name is Greg Raisman. Uh, that'll be next Tuesday at 2 o'clock. Because it, and we've been sort of trying to rustle somebody up in the city to talk about that for quite some time because it's just... There's all kinds of there's a bad there's a bad mojo out there as they say so uh, so he'll come on uh, next Tuesday 2 p.m. and sort of clarify some things for Are us so on the uh, phone or in studio uh, you know I'm not sure I think it's probably the phone uh, but our deal was studio, you know, studio? okay because you know I, a lot of people were like I can come in and talk about it you know, I've been bicycling for not to knock anybody who's sort of the this is a volunteer but we wanted to get somebody who was kind of the objective. You know, so there's not a, so they called it, he's biased, he has the, you know, I wanted to get somebody from the city who sort of just knows the deal, kind of in black and white. Uh, so that is next Tuesday at 2 o'clock. Coming up uh, before the end of this hour, Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer to talk about John Edwards' love child, uh, and uh, so forth. Next hour, Aaron Geek in the city of Durant. Let's do a couple phone calls before we do anything else. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Afternoon, all. Hello, sir. Hey, uh, you were talking, or I guess questioning how firefighters live. Well, I was wondering if it's sort of like the 1950s cartoons in my head where they're all like in a row of uh, like cots or something in a loft and they go through a big hole in the floor. Well, the whole hole in the floor thing uh, has kind of gone away. Most fire stations are single story, but they do have kind of a dorm uh, a modified semi-private area that you sleep in. And most most paid fire stations are 24 hours on and you 40, 48 hours off. And that was so it's like being on call at the hospital. So you're just sort of there for a couple of days, and if, if 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 stuff goes down, then like you get the call. Yeah, you're pretty much you know playing checkers and petting Sparky the fire dog and things like that, and <laughs> watching the truck and that kind of deal. But Sitting in red long people, johns. Yeah. Exactly. The, most, the thing that most people don't realize though is in the United States, over 80 percent of the firefighting is done by volunteer. I always, I'm sorry, I was just refilling my coffee cup, but I always kind of wonder what that means. Like a vol, I mean, is it, is, it, is it just what it sounds like that you're just doing it, like, uh, and you're just it, it for, mean, yeah, for civic duty? Jobs. I was a volunteer for many years down on the coast, and we carried all of our turnout gear and everything in our, our personal vehicles. And if you were closer to the call than you were the fire station, you went directly to the call. So, I mean, literally, you'd have TV repair trucks, garbage trucks, tow trucks showing up to the the fire, you just prayed to God somebody actually did stop by the fire station to pick up the truck. Here's a here's a fun fact. So the last time we have a friend of ours named Mike Everhart, uh, who was our engineer when we were Fisher Broadcasting, now works uh, over one of the other radio companies here in town, and we see him every now and again. But I went out to, uh, he lives out in Malala, uh, and so I went, he was, he, he was, long story short, he was cleaning out his record collection last year, and he had, like, like all DJs, uh, you know, it, it used to be the case that back back then, probably still is now in some weird way, although I haven't worked in music radio for so long, I don't know, but uh, that they would send you three, four, five copies of a 45 or a 33, and it was just sort of known. One goes in the studio, one goes in the, you know, the, the music vault, all the others just sort of walk home with people, which is fine. That's just the way it was done. So he's kind of clean out his record collection. He knows I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a, a vinyl junkie, so he calls me and I go out. And I get to his house, and there's nobody there. And I'm in his driveway at like 10 seconds going, well, what the hell? Like, where is he? My phone rings, and it turns out that Mike Everhart is, in fact, one full third of the Malala Fire Department. And he had to go, like, hose out a van or something that was burning on the tent by the side of the road. So so I, I got to see that in action. All right, thank you for the clarification, my friend. You bet. Thank you. There you go. All right, it's 503-733-2970. How about this email, Rick? I am a professor here in the Philippines. Though it will be 4 a.m. on Saturday here in Manila, my students and some of the friars will be waking up to the sound of your commanding voice over the PA system. That's going to be soothing. It'll be the Thrilla in Manila. Yes, it will, Tim. Uh, all I ask, Rick, is that you speak slowly so the natives will not think it's another coup attempt. 
Your, or a death march. Your glo- <laughs> Bring your children to the compound. Oh, uh, your glorious Catholic bastard in the Philippines, uh, John. All right, well, uh, we'll do the best we can, my friend. Uh, so there you go. Boy, can I just tell you, have you, have you ever seen uh, Have you ever seen that Beatles anthology, like the 11-hour BBC Beatles anthology? No. It's fascinating. No. <laughs> oh, dude, it's, it's amazing. You have it, right? I have it. I have it on DVD. It. it is, um, it's one, two, I think it's five DVDs, and it's broken. It's not like one... You know, it's 11 hours, but it's in it's in segments. It's in episodes. And it was this BBC event. It is, I think, a no-brainer to say it's the definitive document of the Beatles' career. It is an 11-hour documentary, and it's just fascinating. But there's this whole section about the Beatles' trip to the Philippines where it's like you do it is based on their telling of it and they're not guys given to hyperbola you get the feeling no offense to our uh, catholic bastard there i'm sure things have changed but you get the distinct impression uh watching the beatles talk about this trip uh to manila under ferdinand marcos mm-hmm. uh that they came within like a hair's breadth of just being machine gunned in their tour bus i mean it was just it was a bad because they didn't because the thing is like whatever his name ferdinand marcos like he invited them to like a state like to dip to breakfast with him He's like, come have breakfast with me. And they thought it was just like, you know, like you're going to stop by his house and have some eggs or whatever. Uh, and so they were just like, ah, screw it. We played all night. We're, you know, we're tired. <laughs> they just, they just turned. As Paul tells it, well, the alarm went off and we just hit snooze. And so they didn't go. What they didn't realize is that it wasn't just like having breakfast with Ferdinand Marcos at his bungalow. It was like at this huge palatial thing in the middle of the town square with like 40,000 people and the military and every news organization in attendance. And the cameras just kept showing these empty four chairs where the Beatles were supposed to be. And so they, they saw that and like, we got to get out of here. And so they got on the plane and like some guys with machine guns like jumped on. It was a, ba- a bad time is what it was. So, all right, here's Tim Riley. Well, they're not exactly rooting for him, but prominent white supremacists anticipate a boost to their cause if Barack Obama becomes the first black president. They say his election would trigger a black a backlash among whites, and they think it's long overdue. Oh, boy. Uh, former Ku Klux Klan leader David Duke said Obama would be a visual aid to the idea that whites have lost control of America. Well, turn back the hands of time. David Duke? Well, this comes to us from the AP of Pearl, Mississippi. <laughs> this is a thick watch, they'll, isn't it? They'll get $5 for this story. Jesus. All right. But they won't get paid till they get several. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, meanwhile, Colorado's seeks to see Barack Obama's acceptance speech at Investo Field at Mile High are more than spoken for. It only took 24 hours for all of them to be gone. They were snapped up in less than a day. And Dick Cheney and President Bush will both speak at the Republican convention. Oh, boy. That's just what John McCain needs. Well, here's something rather unnerving. Uh, pilots are complaining that they're being forced to fly on low fuel. Yes, they're complaining that to the airline bosses desperate to get costs for forcing them to fly low on fuel. Safety of passengers and crews could be compromised. Well, who would dispute that? The situation got bad enough three years ago, even before the latest surge in fuel prices. But NASA sent the safety alert to the federal aviation officials. What does NASA have to do with it? I have no idea. I just, I'm still back on the fact that planes are flying with insufficient fuel, which it puts all sorts of... The, the red light is going up. <laughs> and, and, and the guy's like, no, just keep it. No, they usually come with the quarter tank if you do that. Yeah. So that's one of those... Can I, I speak for everybody here when I say that that's one of those things I could just function well without knowing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm still just I'm flying across the country in two weeks. That that's is, awesome. as people sometimes say, that is beyond my sphere of influence. So I just assume not know. If I'm going to get all... Otis Redding on the way to like on the way to California or something. I'll just, you know, why don't we just let that be a surprise? 
Uh, all right, here's Tim Riley. In just a few, uh, we'll go through the phones. We'll find out where everybody is going to be in 17 minutes uh, for the Emerson Address, happening at 2 o'clock uh, today. We are now 17 minutes for the Emerson Address, 888. We'll find out where folks are going to be here in a second. It's 503-733-2970. Here's Tim Riley. He's starred on one of the biggest hits in television history. He's done film, musical, theater, even tried his hand at opera. But now, this person is being asked to travel a different path, and he's not sure he's ready. California Democrats have approached this star to ask him to run for state senate. This star says the opera fascinates him and interests him, but he doesn't know if it calls to him. Another reluctance to run may be the fact that he feels that the state is an ungovernable wasteland. Uh, if he ever did run for office, it certainly wouldn't happen until his kids had grown up. Who is this star that I just... I was wondering if it was leading up to a whole... All right. Uh, can you just can you read just the, the first couple sentences again? He starred on one of the biggest hits in television history. He's done film, musical, theater, even tried his hand at opera. Mm, even tried his hand at opera. The opera, it fascinates him, interests him, but he doesn't know if it calls to him. All right. He also uh, feels the state is an ungovernable wasteland. All right. Male? Yes? Yes. Uh, black or white? White. Uh, let's see. Uh, between, uh, over or under the age of 50? Uh, below. Below, really? Uh, not Clay Aiken. No. No. Um, Jesus, I don't know. I give up. Kelsey Grammer. Oh, you're close. It's it, Kami. Who is it? It is Jason Alexander. Really? Yeah. That's fantastic. He was a, you know what? I, I will cast my vote for the guy who is the voice of Duckman anytime. Anytime, brother. Uh, this comes to us from Seattle. Uh, six foot tall, 250 pound letter carriers campaigning for the right to take off his pants. Dean Patterson wants the U.S. Postal Service to add kilts as a uniform option for men. The idea was soundly defeated in the July convention of his union, the 220,000-member National Letter Carrier Association. So here's my question. Then how come these people who are hired to deliver mail in these beat-up station wagons with a hand-lettered cardboard that says U.S. Mail? <laughs> Made with like a can, backward L. Can wear, wear shorts that are hanging off their rear ends. Because they're scabs, Tim. Isn't that what I mean? Is, is, T-shirts. I mean, do I not speak for? Do I not speak the truth when I say that that yes. the city is privatizing the mail delivery in certain uh, mm-hmm. far-flung suburbs? Yes. I think uh, I may be wrong about this. I don't mean to put words in his mouth. Maybe he didn't do this because I don't know if he can speak in an official capacity. But I think Mailman Chris was weighing in on this. Mm-hmm. That the and I don't even know how it works. Like I thought, I thought it was illegal for anybody who is not a postal carrier, like a governmental postal carrier, to deliver your mail. Mm-hmm. So did I. Like, if I just come to your mailbox and just take the stuff out, just carry it down the road, they put me in the hooskow for that. Yeah. So I don't know how it is you can get, like, some some guy, uh, you know, who's, like, hanging outside that place, down the, the, the job for a day place, uh, where really, like, it says donuts in big letters and, like, job in real small letters. I don't know how you can get that guy and then be like having him deliver federally registered mail or whatever. It's all very confusing. I, With your credit card numbers and personal information. I don't understand how this country works a great deal of the time. Uh, let's do a, a couple of these. Let's hey, see Rick, here. did you see this thing where Brad Pitt's making a movie called Inglorious Bastards? Uh, Quentin Tarantino yeah, uh, making yeah. that. Yeah, with that Brad Pitt. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? You know, the, here's the thing about it. A, so yeah, we have the, uh, the, the very fine listeners of this radio station who are the glorious bastards. Oh, we'll do the glorious bastard of the week, by the way, later on. Uh, so Tarantino is allegedly making this film called Inglorious Bastards, like a World War II, Dirty Dozen kind of epic. And I only say allegedly, not to be snarky, but just because he's been writing it for two and a half years. 
anybody who is writing a script for two and a half years, that's not writing. That's just not working. That's not doing anything at all. Uh, so it's just like one of those things. And, you know, Quentin Tarantino is one of those guys where he's just so, like, scattered and fragmented because at any given time, not unlike a certain radio host that maybe we know and like, he's got about 75 things all in various stages of pre- or post-production. So, you know, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. I mean, it'll be sort of a, a natural tie-in with us if he does it. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, everybody, this is Benjamin. Hello, sir. Hello, hello. I've got two locations where the Emerson address will be heard today. But uh, real quickly, first, you guys were talking about ginger root yes, uh, last week. I wanted to recommend a product called Singer's Saving Grace, put out by a company called Singer's. It's a sprayable ginger root tincture, and it really works. Uh, I actually have used Singer's Saving Grace, and I used that on the recommendation of our friend John from Porn Store Janitor. And he's the guy that tipped me to the whole ginger thing, uh, because I was at the, like a listener party at Billy Reed's or something, inhaling all the smoke, and it was just like a bad scene. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be able to talk tomorrow. And he, without missing a beat, he's like, singer saving grace. It's like, go pick it up. So, yeah. You know, no. I, might, I might actually have this backwards. Maybe I heard about it on your show, and I'm calling in to tell you. No, no, no. It's It's all about <laughs> It's all about ginger, these ginger and ball bearings, sir. So there we go. All right. Moving right along. Uh, I am currently standing in my front yard, drinking a Viso, working on my medieval gypsy wagon, uh, as seen on BenjaminTheBard.com. And everyone in the apartment complex in front of me and behind me is going to be hearing the Emerson Address. Excellent. Also, also, the fine, uh, fine folks out at 148th and Stark at the Supercut Salon will be broadcasting uh, your uh, Emerson address in-store. Excellent. Fantastic. Thank you, my friend. You're welcome. All right, there you go. Richie, let's do this. Can we go through the phones right now? Because we're going to break here in a few. Uh, we are heading toward the top of the hour. The Emerson address will be taking place. Uh, so here's uh, now is the time on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, when you call, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. 733-2970, we want to know where you will be broadcasting the Emerson Address at 2 o'clock today. Uh, that is 11 short minutes from now. Where will ye be broadcasting the Emerson Address? 503-733-2970. We'll do those here in just a second. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me try that one more time. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. What's up? This is Andy, the homeschool kid. Of course it is. Hello, sir. I wanted to let you know, I'm going to be broadcasting it from my house. On several radios, as loud as possible, and sound travels really far where I live. Excellent. Uh, and so that uh, you will be broadcasting it in all directions from your domicile, sir? Yes. All right. Well, from near my house. All right. Thank you. Also, yes. it may be covered up by uh, the air show. All right. Well, we'll we'll do. We'll just. Oh, that's a problem at my house all weekend. We'll just have to play it louder then, sir. <laughs> yeah. Right. Thank you. Oh, all by right, the way, the, the planes are practicing. And driving my dogs crazy. Oh, really? Is it now? Is it like the full-on jet thing happening now? The yes. The military aircraft were practicing yesterday afternoon, always right when I step in the door. Of course. And the dogs have to be taken out one at a time. Now, I don't want them to lose control. Well, I mean, because what's, I mean, what's the point of doing it, Tim, if they can't impede all normal activities and conversation and annoy household pets within a 50-mile radius? All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. It's Logan. Hello, sir. Uh, um, um, well, I have somewhere that I'm broadcasting your glorious address. Yes, sir. Where is that? It's in Jacksonville, Florida. God bless you, sir. Why do you live in Jacksonville, Florida, if I can ask? I don't, but I know I have a friend via Xbox Live that lives there. Of course you do. So I'm, so I'm, well, I'm, he's broadcasting it there because he's heard of the show previously. All right. And I'm broadcasting, broadcasting it on Grand Theft Auto 4. On, I'm sorry, on where? Grand Theft Auto 4, on the... 
on the Xbox Live. Wait, let me understand this. So on Grand Theft Auto 4, you, you is like a custom radio station. How are you doing that? No, I am. I am. Uh, I have this like this little system that I made up that um I am putting my Xbox Live headset mic next to the um uh, speakers uh, next to the yeah speakers of the radio, so it plays pretty well. So everyone that I'm playing with will hear it. Seriously, you're the greatest person we've ever talked to. <laughs> really, honestly. Take a bow, sir. You're the greatest human who's ever lived. <laughs> All right. Thank you, my friend. Uh, anytime. All right. There you go. Right, Let's bye. do a few more of these. Hot. That's so He's great. That is so righteous. Uh, oh, I should have asked him if he watched Richard Nunn. Yeah, Richard uh, Nunn is on TV there. Hi. You're uh, on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. What's up, Rick? What's up? Well, I'm out here in the great city of Molala. Yes, sir. And I will be broadcasting the Rick Emerson address over my CV. On your on your citizens band on your citizen band radio to uh, all passers by on that frequency. Well, you know, there's a whole bunch of construction going on out here on the highway. So Excellent. A whole bunch of trucks will be hearing you. All right, thank you, my friend. We appreciate it. All right, bye, Rick. Thank you. All right, we're counting down to the Emerson address, finding out where you're going to be broadcasting it. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up, man? What's up, sir? I'll be brought, not too exciting, but I'll be broadcasting it in front of uh, new seasons on Division from my beer truck with the windows rolled down. I'll have it loud as I can have it. Oh, that's awesome. On Division with the windows rolled down in your beer truck? Yeah. That is wonderful. Excellent. Yeah. All right. That is really, in many ways, that between you and the Xbox guy, that's like the living embodiment of this program. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, Ray. Hello, sir. We have the uh, Walmart at Eastport Plaza covered with a cab coming out. The uh, All four speakers, doors wide open. The Emerson address will be heard. So no matter what door they go out, no matter what uh, method of exit they use, they will be encountering the Emerson address. They have no choice, Rick. That's what I like to hear, sir. We like yeah. to remove any sort of free agency from this proposition. Thank uh, one really quick thing, Rick. Yes. Deep fried macaroni and cheese available at Jack in the Box. I am so there. Thank you. Let's see here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, everybody. It's Mailman Brian. What's uh, up, sir? I will, well, I just wanted to say thanks to Richie for posting my Ryan's Run videos that I shot the other day. That was yes. fantastic. It was great fun. But I am sitting in a park in Lake Oswego wearing my kilt. Uh, of course. Of course. Yes. Well, you know, it's Lake Oswego. What are you going to do? Which um, one you do? <laughs> And I will be broadcasting it, sitting in my truck, uh, having my lunch uh, out on a beautiful summer day. So I can't wait to hear it. And uh, thanks very much. Best show ever. Thank you, my friend. All, All right. right. We'll finish out one more bank here. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson radio program. Where will you be broadcasting the Emerson address? Yes, in Vancouver, Esther Shore Park. And, Rick, you've got to tap the microphone and let the feedback come, just like the movies. Because oh, so, <laughs> the mic can never work the first time. That's right. All right. Thank you. Two more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey. Hey. I will be... Uh, personally broadcasting it from my uh, work van out in the middle of nowhere in the boonies of Beaverton. However, my uh, ultra-conservative, uh, obnoxious roommate, who, by the way, works night and is currently sleeping, will have his alarm clock go off in about five minutes. That is fantastic. Thank you, my friend, and I apologize yeah. for any beating you may suffer. No, he's a little wimpy person. It's not, besides, he's supposed to be above that with his face and stuff. So, uh, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. It'll One... be glowering. Thank you, sir. One uh, final call. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Is this me? Yes, it is, sir. Hello. Hey, this is Dave over at Island Graphics on the corner of 7th and Hawthorne in southeast Portland. I ride by there every day. That'll Yay, stop in and say hi. Um, I will be blasting it. All right. Thank you, my friend. Right on. And this email says, as we can get ready to break, Rick.
It's set. Here in Puerto Rico, everything is a go. Exactly five minutes. The Emerson Address will be broadcast to 10 floors and 432 offices. That's a Sarah in Puerto Rico. The Emerson Address is next. Go nowhere. One hundred, ninety-nine, ninety-eight, ninety-seven, ninety-six, ninety-five, ninety-four, ninety-three, ninety-two, ninety-one, ninety, eighty-nine, eighty-eight, eighty-seven, eighty-six, eighty-five, eighty-four, eighty-three, eighty-two, eighty-one, eighty. 79, 78, 77, 76, 75, 74, 73, 72, 71, 70, 69, 68, 67, 66, 65, 64, 63, 62, 61, 60, 59, 58, 57, 56, 55, 54, 53, 52, 51, 50, 49, 48, 47, 46, 45, 44, 43, 42, 41, 40, 39, 38, 37, 36, 35, 34, 33, 32, 31, 30, 29, 28, 27, 26, 25, 24, 23, 22, 21, 20, 19, 18, 17, 16, 15, 14, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Is this uh, is this thing on? Can you can everybody? Is this hello? All right. Can you hear me in the back? South Korea, French Polynesia, Fargo. Can everybody? Okay.
People of Portland, residents of Oregon, citizens of the United States, inhabitants of this good planet Earth. This is Rick Emerson, host of The Rick Emerson Show on AM 970 and three-time winner of the Oregon Entertainer of the Year Award. First off, my apologies for commandeering the world's public address system like this. We considered buying infomercial time, but it's all filled up with George Foreman grills and that thing that shaves the skin off your feet. My friends, we live in fractious times, times of upheaval, turmoil, times of discord, where the only certainties we have to face are uncertainty, unpredictability, and the relentless hands of the ticking clock. We rise each day and go out the door and put on our bravest face, one foot in front of the other, walking toward the future, whatever it might be. And even in a country of 300 million, a planet six billion strong, there are times you feel as though you are alone. But I'm here to tell you, there is something that binds us all, a common thread, a uniting force, and you're using it right now. Radio, you see, is magic. Not the fairy tale kind, but real, honest-to-goodness magic. Wherever you are right now, your car, your home, your office cubicle, headphones on, you turn a dial and this voice comes out, a voice you can carry with you, the size of a pack of cigarettes, the cost of a battery. No matter where you are, where you go, it all comes out of this one tiny device. Music, debates, discussion, this one tiny device tells you what's happening in the world, what's happening in your community. It's there, all around you, just waiting. And it comes right out of the air. My friends, that is magic. Perhaps around the dial you felt that same energy, that same magic. But maybe you found it disappointing, deluded, diminished. The province of bottom-feeding hacks, obvious and unimaginative. Does anyone really need another block party weekend? Does anyone still need to get the lead out? How much lead could you possibly have that you continuously need to expel it? The lead has been out since 1982. Move on. Does anyone need another station claiming they play everything? Do you realize there are 4,000 albums released every month? Entire wormholes in space would have to expand exponentially just to create sufficient real estate to hold such a radio station. And we play everything doesn't even make sense. If I recorded an album of Peruvian whale song, would they be legally obligated to play it? What about a record of hobbit noises? What about a record of earthworm yodels? What about a record consisting entirely of the sound of Abe Vigoda gently scratching his inner left thigh with a slightly stale macaroon? No one plays everything. DJs with names like Dan Halen, Ken Fusion, Mark St. Mark, Bill St. Bill, Jonathan St. Jonathan, Stevie Van Rock, and The Morning Zoo starring generic edgy guy and breathy airheaded sidekick and guys whose sole purpose seem to be giggling in the background. Wet t-shirt contest for nickelback tickets, battle of the sexes, voice tracked inanity systematically designed to appeal to a lowest common denominator whose collective brain power, if harnessed, couldn't heat a hot pocket. You've had it up to here with the automated, regimented, pasteurized, homogenized, more rock, less talk, ten in a row, nineties at noon, something the whole office can agree on crap fest. 
Now, perhaps you've sought refuge in the enlightening world of AM talk radio, only to find much of it an endless parade of the tedious, tired, the banal and insipid, the dull and predictably non-threatening. Does anybody really need a contest in which the alleged prize is the chance to sit across from Lars Larson while he eats lunch? I mean, can you imagine what that would sound like? Does anyone need another conservative who sounds as though he's been constipated and sexless for at least 16 years? Or another liberal whose voice sounds like a living thesaurus for screechy whining? You deserve better. For everyone who would rather be talked to than talked at. For everyone who prefers humor to bombast. For everyone who has their Google News alerts set for Hasselhoff or Star Trek or Woodchipper Accident. For everyone who knows what it means to love Motley Crue unironically. For everyone who still proudly displays their action figure collections well into adulthood. For everyone who stood in line at midnight for Sith, The Black Album, or The Deathly Hallows. Perhaps at Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing, 3415 Cedar Hills Boulevard, where Hall and Cedar Hills Boulevard intersect. For everyone who's ever fervently debated the proper use of the Oxford comma. For everyone who ever liked Yoda talked. For everyone who prefers the company of their Xbox to most living people. For everyone who would rather get their news from Jon Stewart, Stephen Colbert, Doyle Redlin, or Tim Riley. For everyone who's ever debated Mike versus Joel, DC versus Marvel, Mac versus everything. For everyone who's ever signed a petition or written a strongly worded letter to bring back an unfairly canceled yet brilliant television show. For everyone who knows that Goonies never say die. For the overeducated, the underestimated, for the hopelessly idealistic and the cheerfully nihilistic, the bitter crazed loner, the disenchanted smartass, the shut-in, the misfit, the brain, the basket case, the athlete, the princess, the criminal. The Rick Emerson Show is for you. For those already loyal to the cause, we salute you. And with your help, this movement will grow beyond imagining. For those just joining, just hearing, only now discovering this program, we welcome you. Your search is over. You have found your home. And this community becomes stronger every day. So spread the word. Tell a friend. Pass it on. And take your first step into a larger world. People of Portland, residents of Oregon, citizens of the United States, inhabitants of this good planet earth this is the magic of radio this is the rick emerson show began last October, the National Enquirer first reported about a possible affair involving John Edwards. He denied it and denied it again. Well, finally, he admitted to the affair today. 
As a matter of fact, you didn't interview with ABC News. It'll be broadcast tonight. National Enquirer broke the story. Editor David Perrell knows it was difficult to prove it, but he feels the mainstream media dropped the ball by not digging into it. Of course, he's right. The story started to unfold last month when a team from the tabloids staked out a hotel in Beverly Hills. I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you were saying. I was out on the balcony receiving my rapturous applause from the assembled masses. Uh, John Edwards had an affair. Here's the inquiry. No, no, there, no, thank you. No, you're, no, you're too oh, kind. No, uh, so thank you. No, you, no, no, really. No, you shouldn't have. No, I, no. Oh, pish, now, please, please. I'm sorry, Tim, were you saying something? Oh, uh, John Edwards had an affair. Oh, uh, well, how nice for you. John Edwards had an affair? Oops, is, is my pot up here? There you go. His denial was so vociferous, they kept calling it tabloid trash. The disconcerting part is that a lot of news organizations didn't dig in, as the evidence that the inquire was uncovering was mounting and mounting and mounting, including catching him in the hotel a couple of weeks ago with Real. I'm sorry, but did we miss the story that I was being hailed by the masses in a rapture of applause? Did that somehow get swept under the rug? Yes, uh, John Edwards admits to his affair. But more importantly, Rick Emerson hailed with applause by the masses. That too. On a balcony. Mm -hmm. Rose petals they threw. Yes. No, thank you. No, really, no, it's, no, you shouldn't. No, please, no, I do it for the love of, of the game. No, I, uh, no, really, just a little more. Just a, just a little more. Just a little. No, 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 really. Okay. No, I could no, I couldn't possibly. No, there's no way that I could. Don't ever stop. All hail me! Maybe we can just have this as a background track for the show. I want to get like a little keychain thing, and I just want to carry applause everywhere I go. I'm just going to carry, I'm going to get a little keychain thing made, and I'm just mm. going to carry it, and it's just going to have the sound of golden hailing by the masses eh, wherever I walk in this fair city. So getting back to this. Uh, Perel said he had received, even though this incorrectly uses the word gotten, that is not an English word. Who wrote this? He had gotten advice. Uh, that Edwards would be meeting with his mistress in the hotel that evening. We got advance word he would be meeting Riel Hunter at the Beverly Hilton. We're there with a team of reporters and photographers. We know he spent about five hours in her hotel room, came downstairs through the basement. When he stepped off the elevator, we were waiting for him. So they courted him, and they chased him around. So he admits to the affair, but there was no love involved. Thank you so much. Oh, this isn't applause for me. No, oh, I just assumed everything was going to be applause for me for the rest okay, of the hour. Okay. It's going to be those as soon as I finish up here. It is the Rick Emerson radio program, ladies and gentlemen, friends and neighbors, Romans, countrymen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Thank you for joining us today. If you are a new listener to the Rick Emerson show, greetings. Abandon all boredom, ye who enter here. Uh, the voice you were just hearing, in case, uh, and I don't mean me, actually, for once, the voice you were hearing moments ago is that of Tim Riley, greatest newsman in all the world. Uh, he'll be back uh, later on in the hour. My name is Rick Emerson. Uh, so, thank you to everybody who listened. I don't get an introduction. I'm just, I was going around the room. I was going to go to no, Tim, to no, me, to cool. you. It's cool. No, I was, it's fine. You just ruined it. I can't have nice things. <laughs> I was going to say uh, thank you to everybody who turned the speech up, everybody who broadcasted, everybody who turned up a speaker or uh, the car radio or a web stream, uh, to, to, to everybody. Thank you to everybody who helped us. Uh, if I can just pull back the curtain for one moment. Uh, everybody who sort of helped us uh, do that, and I was going to eventually work my way to you, but I'll just I'll just jump back a little bit to last night uh, to our good friends Joni DeRoshi and Todd the Corpse, who as they always do uh, stepped up and just seriously, and by reminding me that every speech is good if you put a Goonies reference in uh, at least once. 
so that was being worked on uh, late into the night, uh, writing it into the night. Uh, he's trying to get the, the, you know, the, the right music, the, everything assembled. Um, and th- as we sort of work our way through the studio and then out the doors, uh, our thanks to Sarah Dillon, who helped us execute that uh, technically just now with the countdown and the That's timing. That's nerve-wracking, dude. You can picture a lot of people. See, my hand was shaking as I'm like, because I had to fire all those numbers at different times. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to mess this Wait. up, and then Rick's going to murder me. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> waiting to, I don't get your 10 share, waiting to, waiting to criticize every single mistake we do, however small or imagined. Uh, so we uh, we were back timing, as they say, right under the the top of the hour to try to get that done. So thank you to Sarah X Dillon, uh, Tim Riley, newsman, uh, Joni DeRoshi, Todd the Corpse, who helped us with that. And then before we move on, we really and you did a good job with that speech. Rick. That was it's, really well written. Well, it's you know, and you had the proper inflection of like uh, of you and cheese ball. Let's hear it for me just one more time, if we can just uh, just a little bit. If I could just. Uh, Well, or, or that. Uh, and so we also want to take a moment to give, uh, I mean, huge, massive, like, the larger than all of known creation thanks, geometric exponential thanks uh, to Susan Reynolds, uh, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Bridget from upstairs, uh, Cheryl from upstairs, uh, all everybody on the AM970 street team, everybody on the AM970 sales team, uh, Chris Paddock, who lent a hand, uh, Big Jim from KUFO, who lent a hand. Uh, I know I'm... I know I'm li- the little people. Billy Barty, um, Emmanuel Lewis. Just thank you. Uh, so everybody who assisted us, and I think we can. Um, I think now it can be told. Here's what we're going to do, by the way. We're going to go to the phones here, and then we're going to welcome Aaron Duran from GeekInTheCity.com, who has some exciting news about the goal of uh, renaming 42nd Avenue to Douglas Adams uh, uh, Avenue. Yes? All right. Uh, so we'll get Aaron in just one moment. We're going to go to the phones. Richie Bristol, can you do me a huge favor? Because I want to make sure that I'm doing this correctly. Uh, can, you see, can you track down uh, Susan Reynolds? I don't have her cell number uh, handy. Uh, but if, you can, if we can find Susan, and Susan, if you're listening, you can just call the warm line if you've got it. Uh, because I want to talk about something that we, we couldn't really tip our hat or hand or a word like that. We couldn't really sort of give it away. Uh, but there was something that happened today. At around 1:45. I think there probably are. We had almost, we were almost gonna like call some of the, you know, the local, you know, the media and be like, hey, you want to be filming this thing that we're gonna be doing at two o'clock? But then we thought that might end in some arrests and beatings and imprisonment and pain and suffering and duress and whatever. So, uh, let's just go to the phones here. Uh, we will just take these uh, these calls right here on the Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, hello, hi, sir, madam, as the case may be. You're on the Rick Emerson show. Rick, it's White Man. Hello, sir. That was amazing. I got chills. Well, thank you, my friend. Where are you broadcasting it? Where were you listening? Uh, in my office. And so where is it? The, what part of town is your office in? Oh, just uh, Raleigh Hills area. Excellent. And so uh, were you were you able to impose the speech on anybody else? Oh, I blasted it. I got the downstairs dental office calling me. Excellent. All right. Thank you, my um, friends. Wait, do you hear this? That's me applauding. Oh, I thought, I thought you, it was you walking in against that. I thought you were clubbing a seal. That's my chest, actually. All right. Thank you, my you friend. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thank you, sir. All right. There you go. Uh, let's see here. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Your power is great, sir, but slightly... Slightly overwhelming. When they started the fanfare, I had an image of Leni Riefenstahl, Nubile, stretching a high atop a, pe- a, a, a peak in, in the mountains, reaching for the sky, her blonde hair blowing in the wind. And I ended up with a picture of Abe Vigoda hunched over in an 
itchy, overstuffed chair in a dark room, scratching his inner thigh. Attention, new listeners and advertisers. You, too, can be placed in close proximity to these observations. All right, where were you listening, sir? Uh, I was listening in southwest Portland over on Garden Home and blasting it out every mm. window and had all the neighbors looking at me going, what is his problem Thank today? you, my friend. The Rick Emerson Show salutes you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, there you go. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hello. Rick. Hello, sir. I just wanted to say you did a great job, and it sounded really good, and it uh, brings me back to when I first started listening to you back in 98. Uh, well, thank you. This, uh, we should actually note uh, that in one incarnation or another, this program has been here for about 10 years now, coming up in... Um, uh, I've been in Portland. I meant to, well, I meant to look at this last night, if I can just be all about myself for a moment. Uh, I meant to look this up last night to see what day... I think it's November 11th, but I could be wrong about that. It was a Monday. Uh, but it was, uh, it was uh, 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 November of 1998... That I began, Tim Riley had come to town, and then, of course, the puzzle was completed uh, a couple years later with the addition of Sarah X. Dillon as producer. And uh, at that moment, sir, it was a coalescence of biblical proportions. So thank you for being there, my friend, and thank you for listening. You continue to spread the word, sir. Problem. Thank you. All right, we'll get more of your calls in a second. Hang on, it's uh, 503-733-2970, and then Aaron Duran will join us. We have to uh, take a moment to welcome to the Rick Emerson Show, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Reynolds. Hello. Hey. Susan, hi. How are you? Wow. <laughs> how was, uh, so how did... How did it go? Can we talk about the, what, the, what y'all were just doing? I think we can. I, I actually have just made it back to the radio station. Um, but we were basically playing in traffic, I guess you could say. Excellent. Attention, CBS Legal. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we had, uh, and this is a thing that we got done, uh, just, I don't know, the week ago or something like that. Yeah, last uh, we, week. These massive... I don't know, banners or tapestries. I mean, they're these huge, almost like silkscreen-looking things that were, yes, a huge picture of my face. And it said, listen now, AM 970. And then the goal, and I think we executed it, if I'm hearing the tone of your voice correctly, was to hang those around the city about 15 minutes before 2. Yeah, and uh, so we, we picked out some locations where we could, you know how when the protesters go out with their their signs or their political candidates that they're promoting? Yes. Yeah, so we sort of took a page out of their book, if you will, though we did not chain ourselves to the Morrison Bridge, but we did um, unfold these banners over a couple of select overpasses around town. Excellent. And uh, let's put it this way. Uh, we did bring the traffic to a screeching, and I emphasize the word screeching halt. Is it a... Screeching and destructive halts? <laughs> well, there was no crunching of metal, but uh, there was one truck that looked like it might, you know, sort like of in control. Might have gone sideways on you a little bit there? Yeah, and All then right. we thought, well, it's just going to be a matter of time now until, you know, we're arrested. But actually, no, then it just, you know what, it turned out perfectly because the moment you started the address, the traffic was at a crawl. And we had a lot of people honking and waving and thumbs up, and then we had a few giving up the, you know, ordering the table for one. But that's okay. <laughs> Excellent. Um, just while we're talking here, so obviously, huge thanks again to you, Susan Reynolds, uh, Bridget from upstairs, Cheryl, uh, everybody on the AM970 sales team, uh, everybody on the street team, everybody, the promotions, uh, the, the, the Chris Paddock from KUFO, Big Jim. Is, I know I'm probably leaving some obvious folks out. Uh, help me, help well, me, help the me. the street teamers were out there helping us. And I'll tell you, it, it was a way of love. Um, we, we had a lot of fun working on this project. You know, sometimes the, the uh, things that seem kind of silly are really the most fun, and this was no exception to that. It was very, uh, there was a lot of adrenaline pumping. All right. Well, thanks, Susan Reynolds. Thank you so much. You, uh, I worship the ground. You float gently.
infinitely above, Susan. Oh, well, thank you, Rick. And right back at you. And well done on the uh, on the address. Fantastic. Well, uh, it all, uh, if I may be uh, serious, it all, it, all, it all comes from the heart, you know? So, all right. Thank you, Susan. Okay. All right. There you go. Wow. I'm all exhausted. I got that post-like thing exhausted. I know. I can't believe there's still like 35 minutes left of the show. It's, I just feel like I should be like, okay. Well, and now we can't be boring. See, that's the thing. We that's do the whole true. thing, and now we just can't. It can't just be a suck fest for the next 36 minutes. I mean, it could, I suppose. We can do anything we Anything's want. Possible. Uh, all right. It's uh, 503-733-2970. I'll tell you what. Uh, we'll break here in a second. We'll get some more calls. If you're on hold, please hang tight. Stay right there. Uh, we're going to get your calls in just a second. But first and foremost, ladies and gentlemen, let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show a crucial and uh, vital part of this program for many years now from... From geekinthecity.com and filmfeverradio.com, yeah. Aaron Duran. Hello, sir. Hello. Is this Flash? No. What is this? It's an orchestral version of the Super Friends theme. Of course it of course. is. Whatever. What was I? I'm sorry. What was I thinking? How dare you, Rick? I'm sorry. Please, I can turn on my geek card. Hello, Hello Aaron. How are you? Science and technology. Saving the world. Oh. One villain at a time. Right. How's life in the world of geekery, sir? Uh, life is very good. Life is busy. I'm still coming down from post-Comic-Con. I don't even go. Yeah, well, it was like we all got the weird, like the contact high from Comic-Con because we had uh, Dan Clark from Pop Culture Zoo who was giving us the reports and the, you know, the whatever and the hey, hey. Oh, yeah, and, and I just get hammered with email and phone calls of just all kinds yeah. of things going on. So I'm just... <sighs> Since we're doing a little bit of an introduction here, so we've already talked about Sarah X. Dillon, who's a lovely executive producer of this program, Tim Riley, who is our news director Richie Bristol. If you call in, you'll hear his voice on the phones. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, Aaron Duran, who recently won Best Blog That Isn't a Waste of Time, so-called by the Willamette Week uh, about two weeks ago. So um, eh, it, I got a lot of people, and there's so little to do, so much time. Stop. Reverse that. Uh, we've got a, a lot to talk. We've got phone calls to get to. We've got the, 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 all of this other stuff. But real quickly, we'll kind of tease this, take a break here in a second. We'll come back. Uh, so you've been uh, like so you got this whole thing going where you're trying to rename 42nd Avenue. We're trying to rename 42nd Avenue into Douglas Adams Boulevard. It's fantastic. Yes. Uh, and I know that there's been how should we put this some controversy uh, about the, the, the different sort of factions pushing to rename well, this street for that guy. And in, in, in proper Douglas Adams style, there has been some bureaucratic bumps. Mm-hmm. And so, but I understand there's a little bit of is a benchmark, some progress, oh, yeah. an announcement. Huge, yes, a very right. a huge announcement. Let's do this. We'll do two more calls. We'll take a break. Come back. More from Aaron Duran. Uh, news about Rename 42nd. More from Tim Riley. And, uh, again, your, your calls until the top of the hour here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Sarah, Tim. Aaron. Hello. Hello. Uh, I just want to say that was brilliantly executed and very epic. Well, thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. I, uh, I had to steal, uh, steal uh, one of your listeners' ideas, and I broadcasted it over uh, as I was playing Metal Gear Online. <laughs> right, that is fantastic. <laughs> Excellent. All right, well, thank you, my friend, and please continue to, uh, to spread the word. It, uh, it never goes unappreciated. I want to share that I, uh, I share the honor of uh, having the same birthday as the new uh, Rick Emerson show on March 13th. Excellent. All right, well, see, only good things can come of that, my friend. All right, thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, okay. Well, one more, then we'll break. We'll come back. More phone calls, Aaron Duran, et cetera. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program, an excursion into whimsy. How may I help you? Uh, you're doing great. Canines love Rick Emerson. Canines as in as in the Tom Hanks movie? <laughs> the dogs. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. So now what is your – please to, please to explain. I'm right across the street from a, a daycare for dogs, and uh, they're really quiet right now, as you can hear, because I'm across the street. But right at 2 o'clock, <laughs> they just went ballistic. Well, it's because they can sense evil, sir. Uh, uh, I'm wondering if you had, like, a dog whistle during the... 
no, but no, no, I don't have a dog whistle. There was no dog whistle during the address, but can I reveal to you a little, a little tiny secret? Here's a little something. Here's a little something I've never told anyone. Uh, if you listen uh, to the station round the clock, as you should, uh, as a right-thinking American, uh, there's, uh, you know, we have the, the thing called a legal ID, which is a thing you got to do at the top of the hour, where it says the call letters and then your city of license. And so ours is KCMD Portland, a CBS radio station. Yeah. And one of our legal IDs, I, and I'm never going to repeat this, so if you're listening now, you'll know it. Otherwise, it's just going to vex you forever. One of our legal IDs, I've hidden the sound of a cell phone ringing in it. Uh, I went online and I found out what the most common cell phone ring was. And I just mixed it into the legal ID. So I like to think that it rotates. So about like once every day and a half, that legal ID plays, and like 50,000 people all reach for their cell phones at once and then are mystified. So that's a little secret between you and me, sir. Well, that's great. One more thing. Yes. Uh, during the address, yes. was, was Richie wearing a dress? Uh, well, Richie's always wearing a dress inside. Great. All right. Thank you, my friend. Thank Spread you. the word, sir. Thank you. All right. There you go. There's a good chance he was wearing a thong anyway. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, so. You know. Yeah. It's uh, Richie, if you are just joining us, if you are perhaps a convert because of one of our many tapestries, banners, the Emerson Address, the whatever, uh, you will learn that uh, Richie Bristol, who is our uh, production assistant and call screener, is an ever-unpeeling onion of weirdness. And so you will learn more about that than you probably ever desired. Uh, we'll take a break. Come back after this. More from Aaron Duran and your phone calls. If you're on uh, hold, hang tight, my uh, pals, mi amigos, mi compadres. Uh, we will get your calls around the corner. It's 503-733-2970. It's 888. We're back after this. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. the Rick Emerson radio program. Thank you for coming along. It is Friday, 888. Uh, here's one email, then we'll uh, have uh, news from Tim Riley, more from Aaron Duran. Your phone calls, Rick. My phone's being wonky, and I'm not sure if you got the email I sent, so I thought I'd share regarding the Hillsboro Air Show. Just as the countdown ended, as the opening bars of the music began for the Emerson Address, four Air National Guard U.S. Patriot demonstration jets did a high-speed flyover in formation. Yes, Rick, a military flyover in your honor. Feel the power. Sign Mary. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, your personal savior. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Just knowing that fact alone means my dogs probably left me a very nice gift on the carpeting that I'm going to have to clean up right when I get home. Look what I made for you. Scare me to death. So I have a statement from John Edwards. Really? Would you like to hear it? Maybe this... Do we have any music that might be a... Do we have rim shots to accompany it? Uh, let's see. What, what possible... What music would we have to accompany this? I don't know, but... I can't imagine. It's a kind of a mea culpa. All right. Uh, this is from the desk of John Edwards. Dated August 8, 2008. Eight Line, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I suppose that's his home. He writes, In 2008, I made a serious error in judgment and conducted myself in a way that was disloyal to my family and my core beliefs. I recognized my mistake and told my wife that I had a liaison with another woman, and I asked her for her forgiveness. Although I was honest in every painful detail to my family, I did not tell the public. When a supermarket tabloid told a version of the story, I used the fact that the story contained many false entities to uh, to deny it. 
But being 99% honest is no longer good enough. How I came up with 99% I don't know. I was and am ashamed of my conduct and choices. And I hope that it would never become public. With my family, I took responsibility for my actions in 2006. And today I take responsibility publicly. But that misconduct took place for a short period in 2006. It ended then. I am and have been willing to take the test necessary to establish the fact that I am not the father of any baby, and I am truly hopeful that a test will be done so this fact can definitely be established. Here's the thing. I'm just going to make a little prediction about this. This is just my read on the situation. I have no hard knowledge on which to base this. It would be my guess, though, that this is what they call getting out in front of the story. And so here's the thing. He's going to... This is my prediction. This is my, uh, my observation here. That he's going to make this statement about... Uh, I'm perfectly willing to take the paternity test to do whatever, and then he probably won't actually do it. It's just that he's out in public saying it, yeah. and then the news cycle will sort of burn itself out, and he probably won't ever have actually done it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just that he'll be out, in, you know, t- sort of softening up the ground, as they say, by just kind of getting it on record that he has, you know, that he's willing to. Man, I so. bet you wish Marvy Povich hadn't gone off the air. Well, I this just, was a story built for him. You know, it's just, uh, as we were saying, we were just talking about it yesterday, like, where, what will his place be at the convention? Will he speak third, fifth? You know, not. And instead, instead it's just you sort of picture him in the dingy boxers with like the Schlitz, you know, in front of the television. Which they think it was all over, but he was just photographed at the hotel. He was there at the hotel. Well, but see, that's Lisa Lisa Desjardins from CNN who joined us earlier. That's her whole thing is that she's like, well, we don't know if the photograph's real, but like. But he was actually at the hotel. It doesn't matter if the photographs were like he was cornered there. He was there. Exactly. And that woman was there. And like the unbelievable geometric chain of events that would have had to have occurred for him to be photographed at the hotel in the woman's room holding a baby that is somehow not related to him in any way. With uh, with a man that looks exactly like him wearing the exact same shirt that he is wearing. (laughs) Really? That is what that's what the British courts call the trans. Transparent falsehood. That's Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, uh, leaving the studio you know, to prepare more news. I think I would respect Edwards more if he just got up and said, listen, yeah, you know, I blew it, but, you know, damn it, I'm a man. I'm a man of power and a man of needs, and I, you know, my wife understands that's what it's going to be. I would just, uh, you know, here's the whole thing. Is, uh, just be very European about it. As we have said, do, as we have said many, many times, the Rick Emerson Show is a big tent. We are not, uh, we are not prudes nor Puritans. Uh, it's just you know, you, here's why don't you just not set yourself up as a moral barometer, and then nobody will. Exactly. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, it's sort of like the Larry Craig situation. Why don't you not stand, uh, you know, in one of the seats of power and decide to pass a bunch of anti-gay legislation, and then be caught, you know, like at a rest stop with your pants down or something? Yeah, you don't see the Inquirer following Larry Flint around. No, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> slowly. Uh, <laughs> they don't have to try very hard. <laughs> Uh, all right, so let's get a couple calls here, and then we'll talk about rename42nd.org. Uh, let's see here. This is line two. Okay, let's... Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hello, Hi. sir, madam, is the case. Maybe hi, sir. This is Robert. Yes, it's you, sir. You're on the air. How can I help you? Hey, I got to see the uh, banner um, come th- on 12th and 84 on the way in. Excellent. Oh, cool. uh, was this the uh, black and white, or was it sort of like a gray no, it was the black and white. It was kind of retro looking. Yeah, it had kind of a. Uh, that's uh, that's Bridget who did that. That's it's very much a. Uh, they worked uh, so hard on those too. Yeah, I don't even know what you call it, but it's uh, it's a certain kind of artwork. I, I, I it's I'm like not, shading. It's like yeah, 
Sorry. Well, actually, I was on the free when I'm pulling it up. I'm like, what's this hanging off the 12th Street <laughs> overpass? I know, I'm I saw like, it. I know what it is. Did it you look like a giant Rorschach. It was kind of cool. It's sort of weird. It was like a Max, like Rick Emerson is Max Payne yeah. kind of a thing. Uh, excellent, sir. And so uh, thank you for listening, and uh, thank you, for, uh, thank you for, for being out there, my friend. Spread the and word actually, about the I show. Got, I got another text message a minute ago. It said, uh, westbound 84 traffic backed up due to Rick Emerson. Excellent. Well, now I know what's going to be put on my tombstone. All right. Thank- One more thing. Yes. White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. Thank you, sir. There you go. Uh, let's see here. Uh, hi, you're on the, you you're on the Rick Emerson You should check the metro cams and see if traffic is still held up. An area DJ is being held in a traffic slowdown. More to- yeah, way to do that on Friday afternoon rush hour. Hello. I was here the whole time. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, sir. Hey, Aaron. Yes. Um, what happened to the Fifth Element uh, fan commentary? Uh, the Fifth Element fan commentary had a bizarre technical glitch that I still cannot explain, and I have asked radio professionals, and they don't understand why either, and they have actually heard it back. There are older episodes of Film Paper Radio layered inside the Fifth Element commentary, and nobody knows why. Fantastic. So oh, okay. it's it sounds like it sounds like a demon has possessed the episode. So we don't know when it's ever going to go up if it ever shall. Great movie. That's a bummer, man. Yeah. All right. Thank uh, you. Oh, oh, Rick. Yes. I have an abstract question for you. Yeah. If I had a radio show and you were a caller, would you be voice number one or voice number two? I'd be voice number two. All right. Have a fantastic weekend. Thank you, sir. Right. That, that guy himself is voice number two. Voice number one is a kind of old guy that sounds like this and probably saw the Doobie Brothers back in the day. Voice number two is kind of a smart aleck kind of young guy who probably is all hopped up on goofballs. Can we start calling uh, voice number one Sam Elliott? Sure. Okay. It's what we do. Uh, Aaron Duran. Yes. All right. Rename 42nd. Go. Rename 42nd. It kind of, you know fell away for about six months because just a bunch of stuff happened. You know, it kind of fell by the wayside. And then about two weeks ago, we picked it back up just to see what was going on. We had to drop off a new application because the Department of Transportation had no record of our initial application. That's handy. Well, you know what? I will also admit that, like I said before, I did drop the ball and didn't do due diligence and follow up like I should have. Well, you always get, you can never trust that the government received anything. You've got to go, like, check it out. And again, they were in the middle of transitioning the application process. So when they say they didn't have it, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm inclined to believe them just because I'm, you know, I, we didn't start this to make a lot of city waves. Right. We did this because we thought it'd be cool to rename 42nd Street into Douglas Adams Boulevard. So we dropped off a new application on Monday. And ran into another snag saying, well, we don't know what we're going to do because the Cesar Chavez people have also asked us to change the street name. We can only right. do one a year. Right. Suffice to say, we contacted him again and said, yes, but we did this previously, and are they even following the proper channels? And fast forward all to yesterday morning, I get this phone call from Sam Adams. Really? Yes. The Sam Adams? Yes. The Sam Adams that Richie Bristol uh, that called on his private cell phone to ask about bicycles? Yes, he did. And I now have that private cell phone number, and I must try my damnedest not to drunk dial. I was seriously, because no, you got to put, like put like a password or something Here's the on problem. That. In my phone, it goes, Sam Adams, Sarah Dillon. Uh, oh, yeah. no. Sarah, so... <laughs> and I know the kind of messages usually leave for Sarah. Yes. So, all right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he called. We had about a 20-minute conversation. He explained how the whole process went down. And the city code, as it's written, has never been implemented in regards to street names. Right. Ever, ever. Because the, the code is very convoluted. It doesn't make any sense at all. And this, uh, as reported in many of the papers, this $35,000 consultant they're hiring is not just for the Cesar Chavez group. It is for any group 
that wants to try to get a street name change because the program is so mixed right. up. So let me understand. The city has laid out 35 grand for a consultant who is theoretically there to streamline or assist in the process with any group that is petitioning to rename a street. Yes. So the question is, so, and there's no knock on anybody else who's trying to rename anything for anybody. Are you guys going to have equal access to this? I yes, mean, is it, is it across the board? Yep. Excellent. We will as well. Yep, this approach can... Here's the good news. I get a voicemail uh, pretty late yesterday afternoon, around 5.30, late for a city official, uh, around 5.30 uh, from the Department of Transportation saying that our initial application that was put off, that was dropped off yeah. on Monday has been approved. Bam. And we are now proceeding on step two, which is the collection of signatures and raising funds to change 42nd Avenue into Douglas Adams Boulevard. Which is righteous, by which the way. Which is completely badass. The website is rename42nd.org? Yes. yes. Or you can go to geekinthecity.com. They're... The award dual posting. The award-winning geek in the city dot com. Yes. Uh, do you have a film review today? Uh, no, because there was no screener for Pineapple Express. Really? Now that surprises yeah, me. Yeah, that surprised us too. That's well, they're getting pretty good. Reviews. It's, getting, it's getting positive Let me take reviews. It back. There was, but it's the ones where they just send them to like the three big media in every ah, city, and right. it was like at eight o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday. Yeah. Mm. So. All right. Uh, are you going to Clone Wars on Monday? I'm going to go see. What is I'm, your gut sense on Clone Wars? Man, I just here's my gut sense is. <clears throat> Yeah, that's, that's my gut my thing. thing. It's like a meh. I mean, maybe if I were 12 years old again, I would be all over it, but I'm not. I'm 32 years old now. And not to say that I'm I'm no longer – I still love Star Wars, I and mean, look who I am. But it's just hard for me to get excited about another Star Wars project, especially one that's dealing with an event that we've already seen about. And so There's my... been the prequels, and then there's, there was the great Tartofsky series. I don't need this. And so my question to you is because we had a, a guy came by the station yesterday who's picking up a prize listener, and he wanted to know where in the timeline this animated Clone Wars thing falls. Between Episode 2 and 3. All right, so there you go. Uh, let's do a couple more here. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll wrap it up. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hey, Rick, your uh, address was amazing. And, Thank uh, you, sir. Uh, I had a rough last couple of weeks, and uh, during the time that your show is on, I'm usually out in the field driving around, and uh, uh, during the last couple of weeks, your show was uh, the bright spot of my day, so thank you very much. Thank you, my friend. Uh, I also actually talked to uh, my high school English teacher. I ran into him uh, earlier this week regarding the Oxford comma. Yes, sir. And uh, I asked him his thoughts. Should I, prepare my, should I prepare the angry section of my brain? No, because he agrees with you. That's what I'm uh, talking yes. about, right there. And he gave me this example. A true uh, English teacher. The, the Oxford comma is uh, used to make sure that the last two items are not connected. Exactly. I.e., barbecue sauce, comma, ranch sauce, comma, and sweet and sour sauce. Exactly. <laughs> because that, or, or they, here's another example I read. Somebody said, uh, if there was a book dedication where it said, this book is dedicated to my parents, comma, Ayn Rand and God. You need a comma, uh, you know, because otherwise it would make it look like Ayn Rand and God were your parents, and that would just be weird. It's kind of cool. So, well, I'm glad to hear that the voice of academia agrees with the Rick Emerson show, sir. Yes, indeed. All uh, right. Best show ever. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. And, and just real, real quickly here, we'll do one more call, one email, then we'll break. Um, if something, you know, there's only so many minutes in the day and only so many minutes in the speech, and so we, we didn't... And I didn't get to put in everything in the speech we wanted to, uh, but if you are a long-time listener and if you're a new listener, you know, you'll hear me say this a billion times over the next however, whatever. But that guy just nailed it. That, you know, that um, Gene Simmons from KISS said this great thing one time. He said that, he said that when you go to a KISS concert, uh, you know, if you, if you uh, bad day at work, maybe you got fired, traffic, bad weather. Uh, you know, it's a, you, know you, you had a fight with your, with your husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. Whatever's going wrong in your day. 
Gene Simmons' job, Kiss's job, is to make you forget about all that for two hours. That for two hours, you're going to walk in, explosions, fire, blood spitting, guy flies around, they play, you know, there's girls, there's rock, there's whatever. And his goal is to make sure that for two hours, you don't think about anything that's going wrong in your life, you don't think about any of the bad stuff. And I'm not, you know, maybe we have that power, maybe we don't, but if you have, uh, you're, you're in a car all day, you have a bad job, you're at home, you're doing what, or maybe, you, you know what, maybe you're just... Maybe you're just listening, and it puts a smile on your face. Maybe it makes a bad day good or a good day better. Uh, that's you know, it's the best compliment we can ever receive. As a guy says, you know, I had a tough day, or I was stuck in my stuck in my car all day, or I was, you know, my boss is yelling at me. You made the day go by a little faster. Really, no lie. That's like the single best thing anybody can say. I'll read this, and we'll break. Rick, down here in Wilsonville, cleaning carpets today. At 2 p.m., I turned my machine off and turned on the radio. While listening to the echoes through the upscale neighborhood on the river, I heard more echoes. I looked around. There were... It's a thing only we would ever get. I looked around, and there were two delivery drivers parked, doors open, radios blaring. We all sat there and listened to the speech together. When it was done, we raised our visos, and they sped off. <laughs> that is from Michael. We'll take a break. Back after this to wrap it up. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Like us at 3. More from Aaron Duran around the corner. Stay there. Saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, like us at 3, Michael Mara Show at 7. Tomorrow, Car on Driver Radio, 6 to 9, miles around 9 to 11. Uh, two things, don't forget, coming this Sunday, 7 p.m., uh, the debut of Musicology, a live and local show about the love and culture of music. Oh, yeah, I'm not missing that. Yeah, 7 to 9 p.m. this coming Sunday. It's going to be very, very good. I can, can feel it. Uh, Timmy Ryan and Kristen Bowie, Musicology, this coming Sunday, 7 p.m. Uh, also, we do want to say, my best NPR-type voice, uh, the Emerson Address made possible by a generous grant from Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing. Uh, Powell's Books, 3415. Thank you. Uh, all right, and this uh, Bridget upstairs says, hey... Uh, in mere moments, a few pictures will be up on 970.am, presumably of the, the banners and the, the hey, hey, and the whatever. Uh, she says she's waiting for it to save. So, does, uh, does Bridget have clones? How do you mean? But how does she get so much done in one day? I, you know, I, I'm suspecting some. some no, sort she's of one of those people that makes you just feel really lazy. Seriously. <laughs> she, uh, really, her and Susan both, it's like between the They're two of them. Powerhouse. She got Hermione's little time thing where she could kind of jump around. <laughs> Nerd. It's so weird. It's like, no, the two of them, I just, I feel like such a slacker. Mm. Uh, I mean, you, there, you will feel like you're moving in slow motion compared to those two. Uh, all right, Aaron Durant, what's up at geekinthecity.com? Well, uh, hopefully in a few minutes at geekinthecity.com, we will have the breaking news about us moving on to change uh, 42nd Avenue into Douglas Adams Boulevard. You'll have all the details there. And episode 110 of Film Fear Radio was up, starring Scott, myself, and Fat Boy Roberts. Excellent. Drag him in from vacation to do more work. Fantabulous. Yes. All right. Uh, let's see here. Uh, is there anything else I was going to do? Is this going to be that I'm heading toward the, the top of the show here? Um, no, I think that's it. Uh, we forgot to do You know, I will tell you, I'm an ass. I didn't do the Glorious Bastard of the Week as well as to double it up. We'll, we'll announce this on Monday, and then we'll do another one Thursday. Okay. Uh, join us next week when our guest will include... That guy from the... Oh, that guy. Oh, the bike guy. What's that guy's name? Robert? Uh... Thanks. Way to help. That intercom has not been working very well lately. It's, or she's like are you having the bite guy next week? In theory and in practice are two different things. Uh, next. Thanks. 
Whatever. Next Tuesday at 2 p.m., we'll be talking to somebody from the uh, city of Portland, uh, Department of Transportation, to kind of settle once and for all some of the bike uh, motorist issues here, in objective opinion. Uh, Rick Emerson show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970. The talker in the newsroom, Tim Riley. On the phones, Richard Bristol. The gatekeepers, Dave Zinn. The webmistress, Bridget from upstairs. Uh, Director of Engineering, Brian Jones. And CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan. Do not ever, under any circumstances, F with me, Reynolds. Uh, we want to thank Cena Radio correspondents. Lisa Desjardins, Jim Roop, Steve Kastenbaum, and more. And uh, from all of us uh, to everybody who listens, who passes it on, who spreads the word, who tells people, uh, everybody who turned it up today or ever, uh, we thank you. It never goes unappreciated. Uh, without uh, you, there is no us, my friends. We'll see you on Monday. Have a safe weekend. Watch out for snakes. Uh, like us next. Michael Mara Show at 7. Bye.